Hello. Do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and Savior, the Emperor of Men? <laughs> Been binging those pretty hard, huh? Those 40K lores? Yeah. I, I absolutely have. I've just been eating them up. Hi, I'm Douglas Delbert of Radio Loud. I'm Stefan Weber. I keep switching to the fucking blank chair. I did that last <laughs> week, and I accidentally did it this week. Man, I need to start wearing my uh, my hockey jersey. <laughs> yeah, it's the season's upon us, man. Yeah, I know. Like we said, man, that I was looking at that NHL package, and it's not worth it. No, man. You can, between what would be Central Standard Time, 10 and 11, watch the Champions Hockey League, which has all their games for free on YouTube. That's basically the top European teams play through a <laughs> tournament team. I want American hockey, goddammit. It's good. I like it. There's no <laughs> announcers. There's no, it's just live footage from the game with well-done cameras. I mean, half the league's Eastern European anyways, so. Yep, there's got Swedish teams, Norwegian teams, Czech teams, there's Polish team, French team, English team. It's like really enjoyable, and you get to watch it right at you work. You just sounded like uh, Cheech in from Dust Till Dawn when he's naming off all the types of pussy that they have at the strip club. He's like, <laughs> we got... Stinky pussy, fresh pussy, hairy pussy. <laughs> Good watch, man. Good grindhouse flick. I like that movie. They had like a, a brief offshoot shoot TV show, too. They also think. had like three other movies. They had like four Dust Till Dawn movie movies, and then they had a TV series, which I have seen nothing of. And I saw some like GIFs recently that were on... I don't know, something. I think it was high-quality gifts because they get into, like, runs of stuff. And yeah, lately, they've do... been doing Starship Trooper gifts, man. Yeah, they have, like, a theme of the week sometimes. And sometimes it just comes out of nowhere. And that's what they call, uh, you know, meta. Yeah. Meta trash. And um, they'll always bitch about it because it'll get propelled to the front page of Reddit which just takes all the popular stuff, no matter what subreddit it's from, and puts it in front of everybody. And a bunch of people will see it, and they'll be like, what the fuck is this referring to? Because it's so meta, you know? One of my favorites was probably the uh, run of uh, Macho Man gifts that they did. I still liked that Fifth Element ones that they had running for a little while. Those yep. were good. Recently, I've seen a bunch of uh, Starship Trooper ones. Classic. Today, they had one. It just said, um, how to high-quality GIF. And it had, like, the original running with the modified, like, scene to scene. And it said, just add laser beams to your favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody just went in and edited uh, lasers and text into the thing. So they're all, like, shooting... They're guns, but there's lasers coming out of them. And one of the guy just like comes up to one of the other troopers. He's like, "Where the fuck did we get laser beams, man?" <laughs> I have not seen that one yet. So we got any uh, tales from the week from use? Uh, yeah, I. Uh, so I'm. I signed up for the Mullet Hockey League, which is the Mullet Ice Center, but. That, Where's that? That is out in Heartland, so it's like a 45-minute drive. Oof. 
I don't know if I could make that kind of commitment, man. But it's going to be C1 league. So I'm going up a league to play with these guys, and I have tryouts with two teams right now. And I have one this Saturday, and then I have another one at Mon- on Monday at like 8.15. So my schedule is going to get might get shaken up a little bit here depending on what ends up happening here because I got a text from them about subbing a game on a Wednesday at like 8.15. At night? Yep. Hmm. Well, that's when they play, man. Yep. But my schedule might get shaken up here. But I'm pretty excited to go and do the uh, play one game. I play a game with one of the teams this Saturday, like I said. Yeah, you went all Hollywood, man. You stopped skating with, you know, the boy you can't even skate. <laughs> I was going to go leave, last Leave week, me in the dust even, here, uh... you know? It's exciting, though. Yeah, man. Congrats. That that wasn't much of a story, though. <laughs> That's no haunted headboard, man. By the way, getting no play, even though I, like, posted it, like, literally yesterday. The spooky headboard. Yeah. That was a good, that was a good story. <laughs> Some poor sap's going to buy that thing. No, I don't really have many horror stories. My week's just been busy. I got training for my electrician stuff still, or technician spot, so electrical theory stuff. I've been like training myself and training others on a digital press that we got at work, which is fucking cool. Basically, is like a little unit. We adapted one of our flexographic presses. And you can just, you know, you don't have to fill, like, ink pans and stuff. There's really no relatability to it for, like, the average listener, so I don't really want to talk about that. <laughs> but I've been just, I've been getting to, like, flex my, like, like my 3D printing muscles because there's a bunch of stuff with, like, the timing of it and gears. And all you really need is gears to mesh with gears in the press in order for it to send, like, a signal. You just need something to rotate at a constant with the press to like sync it up with your dies and stuff. So it's been like really interesting this week. Just uh, it, it, we're kind of in like a beta program, and we're working with this company to develop like uh, like um, their product and their like user interface. We're giving them feedback on you know the pitfalls of it. Like what they could add to it. Yeah, it's like a, a prototype run almost. Just like these are issues we had. This is the feedback on it, and hopefully you can make the changes to accommodate. I swear to God, man! Like uh, playing buggy video games and submitting error reports are like kind of paying off in this thing because <laughs> there's like bugs in it, and I understand. That when you, like, report a bug, you can't just be like, oh, this fucking thing doesn't work. You got to be like, okay, in order to give you useful information, I'm going to try to create it again. Yeah, and give you the information on how to create it again so you can hone in on where it is. So that's that's the thing that uh, a lot of people don't understand at the, the base level is that, Ugh, problem! Ugh! That doesn't help that anybody. It doesn't help me. I need to know how... Yeah. What you did. I need to know like the 10 things you did that probably triggered that. Mm-hmm. So we have like a couple of those identified, but yeah, we can skip that. That's, that's enough talk about that. <laughs> the work life, yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, we want to just like go into the 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 realm of news. Yeah, we might as well. I don't have many great stories from the week. It's just been busy, mm-hmm. and I've just been I've had my head buried too. You know, I did a lot of work stuff. Probably playing too many video games. That's been like the one thing that I've been able to just like disconnect for a bit. Usually I don't play any video games during the week. But I've just gotten home to, you know, a pile of filth, (laughs) which I finally cleaned up today because like I get home earlier and I'm not just so depleted on a Friday. And uh, I just come home to the place and just like, God, I don't want to fucking do anything. Yep. So I've just been signing on to like a game or two and playing during the week, which I usually don't have the desire to do. This yesterday, actually, I finally hit my goal and what I was trying to do. So I like turned off everything and I sat down and watched some of the new South Park season. I don't know if you've seen the new season yet. No, oh, I the heard latest episode. I heard Roseanne was on one. The latest episode was so goddamn funny i could not stop laughing was it roseanne hanky poo is brett Kavanaugh, roseanne and a multitude of other carriers characters and it is hilarious i only knew roseanne was on it because i um started watching rogan's podcast and she was on it this week i don't remember her being on the new south park episodes maybe as a voice actor but not as a character no, like as a subject of ridicule. Yeah, she was in the new episode. Yeah. They're making fun of her. Hanky- That's what I meant by on. Yeah, Hanky Poo was making outrageous statements and just kept blaming it on the sleeping pills he was taking. <laughs> and uh, the other really great part of the episode is PC Principal and Strong Woman have some PC babies. Hmm. Interesting. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of wordplay with the PC babies crying. There's a, there's been um, a little outcry about like Rogan saying some shit about trans folk lately, which I don't deny he did, but I didn't hear it, so I can't really comment on it. But apparently he said some ignorant shit, um, and I only found out about Roseanne being on South Park because I went to the the uh, whenever Rogan does a live broadcast. I'll usually join it in progress. And if it's a shit show, I don't understand what the fuck's going on. Comments are disabled because it's YouTube comments and that's smart. (laughs) And um, I'll go to the subreddit, which is the only place you can get like an as it's happening, some sort of barometer of like live commentary. And like I had joined her just like trying to explain her politics and like her Trump support stuff. And I was like, what the fuck is this? I don't know if I can listen to this for like too much longer, trying to just get my own bearings on it. So I go over the forums and it was basically explained that he is like lobbing her softballs to like explain herself about like, you know, her current major gaffe that got her show canceled basically. Well, and she yeah, got ca- her kicked off. For yeah. Sure, yeah, and from what it was explained, that it, it basically she just 
was getting opportunities to explain herself like passively just like here try and make it better but uh (laughs) she just kept digging the hole deeper and deeper and deeper but that's the thing like she's she she can't really blame it on the ambient she's kind of fucking nuts she's always been regarded as nuts by a multitude of people that's another thing i don't I can comment, like, yes, what she did was wrong, but she's also kind of, like, mentally ill, has, like, a history of mental illness. I remember there was that whole incident where her daughter ran away, and her daughter ended up being found totally fine. She's like, I ran away because my mother is insane, and I've been staying with my boyfriend for the past, like, two weeks. Yeah, but uh, haven't we all hit that point at one period or another in our life but there have been other cries for it too but i remember that one because there was like it was newsworthy just like roseanne barr's daughter is missing like she's filed a missing person's report she's i don't know the distance but basically like a few blocks away you know it's kind of weird though you know you have a a major figurehead in the female realm of stand-up comics and like at this point in her life she's kind of taking a stance in politics that has been widely regarded as you know uh, an administration that is doing a lot of things against like you know women's health in particular uh, just for their regard to women uh, like throughout trump's campaign i don't want to get like too deep into politics but it's just kind of strange you know it seems strange to us, but at the same time, there are plenty of other female supporters of Trump or Republicans. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand it, though. We don't really have to. just have to accept <laughs> that they support who they do. I guess, you know. I did have somebody at like work that I was working with come up to me and comment on like the Kavanaugh appointment, the individual that had accused him of raping i've had a couple yeah and uh but it's like a particular individual who we have like a track record of like not necessarily clashing on politics but i basically don't care to enter the political realm with this person because it's not a debate it's just this person is set in their ways and their ways are so fucking ridiculous i i don't even want to like talk to them about it and do you just like we have to work in a close proximity this week just because of uh let's it's better not to be talking about it yeah yeah I, there's only one individual i really talk politics at work with i mean i mean ideal society man it's the star trek federation i mean you just like can't you can't get around that <laughs> <laughs> but there there are a lot of people at work that are I don't really see eye to eye and they constantly want to talk politics with and I just have to completely avoid the situation or directly change the subject. I mean, you know, like there's there's guys at my work that listen to basically Alex Jones, just people who promote right. this toxic vitriol and in, in an environment of perpetual hate and then, you know, they're just they're trying to whip people up into a frenzy and they try to whip you up into a frenzy too and it's just better to sidestep yeah i basically and just let them like, toro bull run right <clears throat> into the wall this guy had approached me and said like okay the, this uh you know the kavanaugh had 
accuse or had this accuser of like raping her and he was like huh, look at how funny this is you want to see what she looked like at that age and she like he like showed me a picture of like some like dorky teen embraces and i was just like yeah like and that what, what do you want what do you want me to I, laugh at I this i think i actually think- know what picture you're talking about and i think it came out not that much later that that wasn't even a picture of her mm-hmm. it was someone else yeah yeah it's like the same kind of uh, the same individual would uh you know comment about how um, not millennials well yeah millennials Millennials eating tide pods that is how you know when somebody has gotten fed a troll and they cannot be trusted anymore let me ask you this has he brought up this manspreading video where there's a woman dumping bleach on men's laps who are manspreading why there was it just turned out to be water Oh no, fake. it's even better. Yeah, it's fake. But there was a man <laughs> at my work who was listening to his radio program, which was going off in a large tirade about this, and it came out at least five weeks ago that this was a piece of Russian propaganda. Mm. And this, or not five weeks, five days early, like a week. It had been a week, it had been five days earlier, like a about a week that it, this was a fake propaganda video, and this guy was going around work and just like, did you see this? did you see what they're doing and i'm just like you are you only get your news from this one guy don't you what's even worse is that they're like part of the generation that grew up like through the red scare through the you know the red versus blue era yeah there's still like a bunch of that left over rightfully so um but you know i don't have this I, I was born at the end of the Cold War and grew up through like a period of non-aggression, basically. Yeah, and it, it's just not in me. You know, I I I understand it's like it's it's been brought to the surface again, and there's like but the wars the wars changed. It's all psychological informational mm-hmm. warfare, right? But yeah, this guy was. But that's the this thing. Is the kind we of grew guy. up with the internet yeah. and the platform that they're fighting it on too, and we understand this and we see like the bullshit when don't. it comes up. Yeah, but they don't. And they should be, and they're very much anti. It's interesting, you know. They're very much. This guy would be very much just like, oh, Putin's evil, but he's playing right in their hands, man. He'd be terrible at the at the poker or the the poker chess table with Putin. Putin would just be outmaneuvering him every time. Mm-hmm. But that's life, man. They're just people who aren't necessarily able to, not even able to, but I should say even aware. Because it's not, it's not like this, these people are, or this, this guy and this individual is really like a stupid person or anything, but he just is unaware that there's more information to the story. You know, he's yeah. just got a he's got a narrow scope of uh informational input. Um if that makes sense. It's like he has horse blinders on, but not necessarily maybe maybe in the realm of the internet, but yeah. like that's what I'm because that's to. where it's but that that's a, such an important thing nowadays because the internet has basically become the lifeblood of our society. It has improved the way we transmit information. The way we do things logistically. Definitely. And we depend on it, but it's also being used as a weapon against people who are not 
in the know about these things basically and even even in not very, like it's that hard to be in the know but it yeah, just takes a little bit it, of a dad adaptation but it's very simple i've actually had this conversation with my brother you know you you go to i was going to go into that okay uh as an individual you go to let's say you go to the cabela's website you go to the fleet farm website you go to cnn and you go to bbc you just picked up a host of cookies from these websites mm -hmm. and now the internet is slowly tailored to this perceived outlook of what you'd be interested in and as you continue searching and it continues to narrow your scope you get those blinders and yeah, it's extremely digitally. dangerous it's extremely dangerous i'm not even talking about that i'm talking about the uh Perpetuation of political fallacies through memes, through image macros, because that, I feel like, is where the modern-day propaganda is. Because you're talking about something that's a little bit more complex. You're talking about news stories with sway and all that. And I'm talking tell, I'm, about... I'm more trying to talk about how the, when you use the internet and you're not necessarily aware of... The full scope of how the internet works. It slowly Which narrows is, your field. Mine, mine directly relates to the, the thing that this person put in front of me. It was basically an image macro with some text on it and, and a picture, just, and it's made to make you have a knee-jerk reaction. And with uh, those things in place already, especially through Facebook... They're like one of the major proponents of narrowing down and putting the yeah. This the, is what you the want. bubble around. This you. is what you want to see. Yeah. This is what you want to hear. So uh, they will kind of boost those posts from those individuals that have been narrowed down to have that kind of view of you. But basically, what I have always found to be the real danger is the modern definition of a of, propaganda post propaganda yes Just like this which is, is memes and image macros it's it takes you five seconds to read and it makes you have a knee-jerk reaction yeah the and if you the, the nazis are uh the jews are bad it's like the nazi posters where yeah. the jews are hovering over the town with the uh the like uh but it's the death-like image where they have the scythe and it's Instead the, of the brick wall and instead of the lamp posts, it's on your Facebook yeah. feed now. Uh, and it doesn't matter if it's like, a, like honestly, I've seen it both in left circles and right circles. It swings both ways. Yeah, it, there was like a period of time around the uh, the time of Occupy Wall, Wall Street. It was mainly left Leftist. wing. Yeah. Now. It's, it's mainly right-wing stuff. It, it kind of is crazy how that kind of ebbs and flows yeah, like that. Yeah, the pendulum but swings, and it swings extremely hard. To arm yourself for this arena, you have to ask yourself, if you've seen something, how quickly did it make you feel emotional about something? Because that's where you really got to step back and think. Because it's... it's, it's the emotional response is overriding your logical response. Exactly. Exactly. You have to have the, the Vulcan approach. I'm sorry. I'm very Star Trek themed <laughs> today. And I no, usually am because I'm, I'm, I'm a big Star Trek fan, especially now in my later years. But, yeah, it's, it's the emotional response overrides your logical response. And then it's got you hooked because you, you, ha you have a hard time 
the human uh the human mind has like a hard time processing and then filing away an emotional response over a logical one like when you get mad or you get upset it's a lot harder for you to stick it in the filing compartment inside your your mind and stow it versus a logical one i really try to i i honestly feel that uh because i used to have an issue with it and because i knew i had an issue with it i worked at it and i made like one of my weaknesses one of my strengths i still get like really angry to the point where like my body shakes (laughs) but it's not in that arena you know but it's harder to file those kind of it's like if if you look at a stack of papers, the the emotional response is crumpled up. It's you can't put it put it nicely into the Manila folder. Whereas the logical response is still flat and just slips right in. It's harder to process those things and in a intelligent response. That's how when you get angry, you lash out sometimes. Mm-hmm. Any like. Most people, you lash out when you're upset. You have a hard time reeling it in. That's just the way of... Admitting that you were wrong, you know? Uh, and in that realm, before we get off, like, logic versus emotion, um, it is even... There's, like, a secondary layer to it, too. You can think you're being completely logical, but the other person on the other end of that online conversation is, is manipulating being, you. Com- they're being completely emotional. And they will continue to go on and on and on, and oh, okay. And you're you're still being emotional, even though you think you're being logical, by continuing to debate this person who is there is no means to an end. There is no talking to them. Like you should I feel like that actually attempt. touches back on what we already talked on too. Mm-hmm. There are people that I just will not have these kinds of conversations with at it, out in public, you know, at my place of work or at even an establishment like a bar or something. I'm not going to get involved in a deep conversation like that because it just involves, right. with most people, a, a strictly emotional response. Especially with, at a bar setting. Yeah. Like, uh, I had always said it to a few friends who I won't name, but I would always say, you know, we're getting into the realm of politics when we've just been having a night of drinking and it's like, is this really what we want to talk about? Like, we're friends at this, like, realm, and we're inebriated, and we're emotional. Is this, like, really where we want to, like, take it? Because in that realm, you are um, you are completely uninhibited, and you will go to the, like, core of, like, what your like raw political or raw belief is and that's always probably going to clash with somebody that is sitting across the table from you there's going to be some inherent belief that you kind of like disagree As, yeah, with. yeah if you keep di- digging because everyone inherently has slightly different views on how things should be ran what's moral what their true sense of justice or legality mm-hmm. should be and it's just bound to happen, and that's part of what people use to manipulate you with those emotional responses and stuff like we talked about, and that's why it's it's hard to get into. And the truth of it is, though, it's not that anyone's necessarily... Well, I mean, there definitely are... 
probably people that have mental health issues where their views are extremely skewed. But the, you know, these people aren't, for the most part, inherently. These other people that you're debating with aren't necessarily mm-hmm. inherently evil or completely wrong. It's okay for people to have different points of view on a topic. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we need to understand in this day and age. There are definitely unacceptable points of view that as time goes on, it, it's just gradually going to phase out into like a new way. But there are people who are inherently like hold on to these views who can't wrap their head around the new way the majority of people are thinking because a they are so set in their views and b they have they have this logic set up that this is correct and this is good in some way and they believe that this is the good way and you are never going to push your agenda into that crowd by just railing yourself against them like by presenting your opinion of them as you are just this evil entity. And you don't, you honestly... You'll, you'll get nowhere. Yeah, and you, yeah, you honestly don't need to. If you're... If you... I guess that's not the right way to put it, but you don't need to rail it into the opposition. You need to simply stand firmly on the moral and on your moral views or on your view and hopefully if it truly is just the right people will flock to you i mean granted that isn't always necessarily how that works as we've seen that in history but you, but it you takes shouldn't need time. to yeah you shouldn't need to be railing your sense of morality or what you think is just into the opposition you should be trying to debate them, but there are there are definitely points where it's just like no, you this is not acceptable. You know, the, it, there is a a fine line, and it it takes. I don't. Know, I've, I've I've seen it. Like, um, uh, uh, more talking about people who are outraged on behalf of like other people. Uh, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's inherently bad, but I've also had it happen to myself where I saw somebody say something to a friend who was black that was, I, I, w- I just could not believe that this person would say something to a black person like that. It was so ignorant. It, it was almost like hateful, but the, the black individual put into perspective for me that they had this point of view that this person didn't necessarily mean anything by it and they understood it. But that also comes from a point that they've been given so much of that their entire life that they're, they've adapted to it almost. It, you know, it's like offensive to see somebody do something inherently racist and then just watch that person shrug it off, you know. But that, like, like I hate that. That you don't need to. Thing. But even like you already said, you don't need to necessarily. 
if the other person, like, in this situation, this situation that you laid out, the one person said something that you f- found offensive to the other subject, but the other subject doesn't necessarily find it. it it's not that, that they didn't find it that way. It's just that they didn't find, take it that way. They didn't take it that way because they knew the shitstorm that it would like become afterwards. Hmm. They just took the 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 passive. They took the high road on it. You know, yeah, that's uh, great. More people should take the high road. <laughs> but but in that case, that's something that boils down to there. That person isn't learning anything, and that person is just like internalizing something uh, a, a wrong that was done to them. I guess that's true. It's it's really hard to talk about this stuff, like especially because we're we're two white guys talking about <laughs> you know the plight of. In this instance, yeah, but yeah. I think more of this has just been about a commentary on just the. For me, it's my main point is just the absolute fire stoking, fear mongering, and just. Like the demonizing the, the line, of each side, the lines being drawn yeah. constantly. Like I, I go, I'm at work. I'm going to go. It's a pretty mundane task, and I know I don't agree with this guy, this individual at work, and the stuff he's listening to is just like they're coming for us. They, they're, they're talking all this smack about it. This is, I, this is not verbatim, but this is just the shortened version. It's like they're coming for us. They're talking all this smack about us. They're, it's like we're under attack, and we we would never do that to them. But they're coming for us, and we need to defend ourselves from them because they're coming for us. And it's just like, is this? This isn't. This is not. I do not find this statement to be true in any way. I the previous information you've already given, I know not to be true. That was the same individual on the radio show who was talking about the the man spreading thing. It's just like we already I already know that's fake. I can't take anything you say to be true. But you're working this poor man into a frenzy every day. Like that is exactly what you're you know going out and intending to do. And this is this is something that I have to like keep we have to keep in mind. As we start at this little broadcast platform, you know why they do it? Ratings. Mm-hmm. Ratings. And that's they're just going to the most recent thing that their side is on and just playing to him and whipping him into a frenzy that is that is where the true evil i feel is and it's it's this 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 is a very extreme case but you see the same things with sites like huffington post and fox news it's on a more subtle level it's not as direct of a statement of they're coming for us mm-hmm. but the stories usually fall in like a left or right means and the average person i feel acknowledges that like a, a right-wing person would go the huffington post is left-wing garbage and the huffington post reader is gonna go fox point is or, sorry fox point <laughs> <laughs> fox news is right-wing garbage like they both do it on the same in a in a similar manner, it's just far more subtle. It's not as direct. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous. 
So if you want to get any, if you want to have any sort of form of information, you need to go to every single news outlet there is. You have to go to the CNN, BBC, Huffington Post, Fox News, Al Jazeera. You got to go to Russian news sources. You got to go to France. You know the French news site. You got to read every single article that every single one of these people wrote to get any sense of where the middle line is and it's too much work for most people mm-hmm. it's too much it became too much work for me i just simply couldn't do yeah, it anymore that's that's why if i find the most logical people are like signing off which is dangerous in itself because you know where where do you get your news where do you get informed about just stuff going on you listen to it and you go that's bullshit <laughs> <laughs> right well you know you can use the news to inform yourself about events, but you just kind of got to be aware of the particular platform you're getting it from. And the and spin. The, yeah, the spin. Yep. But if you're getting all spun up on memes on Facebook for political from reasons, grandma. like you really need some help. Like that is like... The, Grandma's whipping you up into a frenzy. Right. They're pissing my grandma off. <laughs> you need to fucking get yourself to a methadone clinic at that stage. <laughs> that is like the black tar heroin of politics when you're getting fucking frenzied up into like some meth rage on some memes on Facebook. Yeah, well, that's probably one of the main reasons I left Facebook was just everyone... Maybe the people Every, you were Yeah, everyone with. was just politics. This is my take on this. This is what XYZ is all about. And then, you know, the multi-level marketing schemes that seemingly... Avon! <laughs> that seemingly everyone got involved Herbalife. in. Herbalife! Yeah. Essential oils. How many... Everybody? Come on, how many fucking fools you know in your goddamn fucking list, I just man? added... I just added anybody almost, but... Hmm. But it doesn't matter now because I my signed Facebook off and it was... feed sounds like a goddamn utopia to, to compared to yours. Like seriously, my experience completely different from that. Man. That was so many years ago, though. And at the end, it was just me following what maybe like five people. And it was just like I, I, don't I just see you. I just see you people anyway. I don't need this <laughs> because when we get together, then you can actually tell me what you were doing. <laughs> I think that's probably the best part is they can actually tell me about these experiences that they had and yeah. get all wide-eyed and happy because I don't say, oh, I already heard this or saw it on Facebook. You got some fresh news to tell me. I Yeah, I don't like that with uh, people that I know. Like, all of my Facebook interaction is primarily people that I do not know, have never met in my entire life, but have grown to know just through that platform and wouldn't i i feel my life is enriched because of that so uh what else we got <laughs> besides uh, the besides the fucking i don't uh, yeah. know i thought you wanted to talk kanye for a little bit which is sort which is of kind of the, the same yeah. yeah it is the same but i feel like it segues into it a little bit i so i've only seen like the memes from it or the the little clips. I didn't watch the actual clip. It sounds oh like he God. went on some bizarre ranting tangent, which he usually does. I sat does. down and started watching it, and I could not. Like, I was like, oh, my God, Kanye is going full Kanye. And I knew, I kind of knew what would 
I didn't know it was going to be as extreme, but I had heard his statements and some stuff about what happened on SNL where he was talking about repealing the 13th Amendment because mm. he's really on that for some reason, which is the amendment about slavery, if I'm not mistaken. There was I, a, I don't there was know, a I don't deeper know explanation to that, I think. But uh, I, I don't know all the ins and outs about all this, but it just seemed like he was ranting about XYZ and saying he loves Trump, which I don't really have a problem with you're welcome to like whoever you want i mean you have taylor swift in the news now saying she's voting democrat or whatever else like you're welcome if you want to throw your chips into whatever political pot you want i don't care but it sounds like kanye went on some strange rant in the oval office which he he does he does that always that's his thing that's one of the things I wanted to uh, bring up because after the whole SNL thing, um, I think it was last weekend on the H3 podcast, one of the more informative things I've seen uh, came from uh, a segment that they've done once before where they have somebody who's running the show in the background come and put a PowerPoint together about Kanye West <laughs> because he's a big Kanye fan. Oh, and, H3, uh, what's his real name? Ethan is a Kanye fan? Uh, no. No, not him particularly. I don't know if he is or isn't. But uh, This guy that puts the slideshow together is? Yeah, the, okay. the, I think they call him like Aaron the Intern or something like that. I don't know if that's his real name. But what, he is put he the, like a producer? I'm so, no, he's not. He's like he's like a fucking 23-year-old idiot, All right, basically. he's just this guy. <laughs> he's a Kanye fan, man. <laughs> he's an idiot. But honestly, I find their product, their like people that they have producing their show to be a little bit incompetent. But all right, but so this guy comes on, he puts together this Kanye. One of the things that uh, one of the show. points that he drove home about Kanye um, wasn't that like he's a fan of Kanye, not because he agrees with everything that he does. It's because he appreciates um, whatever's going on in Kanye's head. Kanye says and. You might be sitting next to somebody and working with them on a daily basis that will put on this face and lie to you just to like get through the day. But Kanye just what, says it like he thinks whatever it pops is. into this head comes out of his mouth. And I, I was I never really thought about I've him had, like that. I've had friends like that. I've still have friends like that. I don't appreciate that to like the extent like that. But I never really thought of Kanye West as the kind of oh, individual that just says he's what he's just thinking. yeah he's just whatever comes to his head he's just saying it, and that's okay as long as it doesn't get you into <laughs> as long as it's not getting you new get he, <laughs> as long as it is not getting you into ethical or legal problems. Now, um, where you're doing inappropriate things. To quote Bill Burr. Like grabbing chicks by the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to quote Bill Burr on Kanye West, that man has a world war in him. <laughs> Basically. Um, seriously, man, like... If Kanye is trying to like prime himself, that was that was one of Bill Burr's bits that he would um, he would be looking away from the TV, 
And he would hear Kanye coming on, saying some stuff, and he wouldn't know it was Kanye yet. And he'd like start getting panicked or whatever. He was like, oh my God, who the fuck is this on TV? Uh, who, this guy is just like making me uncomfortable. With the, oh, it's just Kanye. <laughs> but he, he was saying, he's like, I'm glad that he's not in a position of like world power because that guy has a world war in him. And that was a couple years ago. <laughs> I, I All right. In this hypothetical realm where Kanye runs for president. Right. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> well, I didn't think Trump was going to happen. Yeah, I and know. And he's been running. He ran for what? Two, this is why three? we got to be on our fucking toes. He went, for, he went for two, three terms where he tried to run. And I've... I've When I, when I, from my experience of knowing about Trump, it was, he did The Apprentice. I knew he actually wasn't that savvy of a business type. I knew he got his inheritance from his father and he'd actually just about kind of broke even from what he's given, gotten from his father. He's declared money problems multiple times, but I never really thought Trump was going to be president. I thought it was always like a celebrity move, just like it should keep The Apprentice relevant the apprentice relevant mm-hmm. and then he ended up winning so hypothetically kanye wins a presidential election and he mandates what we all have to wear yeezuses <laughs> no we all have <laughs> that, to get, that's just absurd <laughs> we all have to get vermin supreme had a absurd running platform i voted for him <laughs> mandatory teeth brushing mini ponies for all <laughs> <laughs> now um <laughs> One of the things that was going around in media that was not true was the, um, I think Kanye was visiting the White House because of the Music Modernization Act as like a, a gesture because he is a major figure. That's true. He's a we, Trump supporter. We even talked about that mm-hmm. uh, last on week, the show. Uh, with two David. weeks ago with David. But um, the. David Tarantino, Monroe Central, check him out. Th- yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Monroe Central. Bandcamp, Instagram, Facebook. The Bandcamp thing's over. We're still waiting for the winner. But, um... No, the I meant they have a Bandcamp. It was Be a Better Band or Band Academy. Oh, Bad Academy, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's Bandcamp. over. Um, anyways, back to this thing. As a gesture, I think Kanye came when Trump was, like, signing the act into law. But what I saw across multiple social media platforms was, um just uh, ignorance about what the Music Modernization Act actually was and that it was something that Trump had made. That's kind of what this whole media thing... Well, that's how... Okay. Let's just take a step back and just look at how the political system works. Anytime something is pushed through during a president's term, it's usually just promoted as their idea. But the thing is, this has been in the works for, like, over two years. But it's still going through under his term. Mm-hmm. So that's just bound to be what happens. But I'm not saying it's right, but it is what happens. I just want people to understand that this did not just happen today. It's not like it just got thought up. This was somebody else's idea. It's been in the works for a long time, and but this is the ceremony. Trump gets to sign it, and now it's Trump's mu- Music Modernization Act. I mean, that's a very similar thing happened with the whole Obamacare thing. 
Yep. And now it's been changed, and it's been... I actually got a couple emails that it's now Trump something care. They should just call it presidential care at this point. But it's... Yeah, you, you gonna tell me that fucking big fat baby Huey thought this fucking <laughs> up? Yeah. Come on! No. But, uh... Okay, anyway, back to Kanye's visit. And he's, he's there because of the Music Modernization Act. And, you know, he just released... Uh, what was that hot... New album. Scoobity poopity song. Uh, lift lift him up, lift me. With little pump. <laughs> no, his... Uh, uh, Sean R.I.P. was still here when he first told told me about this song. It was the, uh, oh, yeah, Scoobity Whoop Yeah, the, the Scoobity Poop okay, song. Okay, think of it like this, man. We have been doing this show for two Kanye albums now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we are, this is our bicentennial Kanye anniversary. <laughs> Should we get a cake? A Kanye cake? I don't like cake. Uh, I don't really either. It could be ice cream cake. It's going to melt by the time we get it here. Just his face. <sighs> Dairy Queen can't do that. You know what I could go for instead of a cake? How about a break? Okay. Yeah. We we don't have jokes this week, so we're going to be back with some more news after this. We just need we're a just, little... We need to lop this political cancer talk off. We're just going to start... continue talking. That's right. all. That's fine. All right, see you in a couple minutes. Skip, when we skip it, we just go to. So uh, today is Fat Beef Day. <laughs> so you just want to talk video games for a little bit? Oh, I want to talk about, like, Fat Beef Bay a little bit, but, uh, yeah, we can go into video games after that. But, um, I saw this music video earlier that had just this stupid, stupid, like, attempt at a viral dance that actually was, like, I, I got behind you it. I shared it. it. I loved it. It was called Skibdy by, uh, Little Big. Whoa. But, um... After I saw that, like, I had thought about this fucking dance that my old pal Davido had done to this song that a person I had never met from New York wrote. And this is, um, this is the Steve Harvey collection, Fat Beef. And uh, this guy, Jeremy, he actually released uh, one of my favorite hardcore albums of all time. It was him and a vocalist. Oh, that was it. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it w it was a him and a vocalist, and they did this fucking great hardcore album uh, called Priest. Uh, was the name of the band? I think they only did one album. Uh, the art is a bird. They did an EP, and I just thought it was the the best. Um, but I had sent him this video of uh, our mutual friend play it <laughs> dancing to this song. <laughs> And I just thought about it this morning while I was taking a shit watching this viral dance video. And then a couple hours later, Jeremy sends me a message. He's like, oh, happy fat beef day. Because that thread comes up that I posted this video to his uh, yeah. wall every year. And we'll just say, oh, ha happy this exists. This still exists. Yeah. Remember this? So today, uh, October 12th, is 
Fat Beef Day. Fat Beef Day. Uh, well, one of the funny things about the uh, Steve Harvey collection is that he would get people who are just dumb messaging him through this web page, thinking he was actually Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey, yeah. <laughs> or some way affiliated at first, with him. Yeah, at first that I kind of got a similar impression because I just opened the tabs that are that we send to each other. But I just got this and I was Yeah, like, but as soon as you play the music... Yeah, I was like, this isn't yeah. Steve Harvey. <laughs> Although, I bet if it's I like match some, it up with Steve Harvey dancing... It's like some uh, Tony Danza tap dance extravaganza yep. style name, you know? Although, I bet if I mashed up with Steve Harvey dancing, it would uh, mash, mash up pretty good here. What are you tapping me for, bud? It's <laughs> just Steve this, dancing. Yeah, we're Steve dancing, man. No, Steve ain't gonna dance. Steve's gonna dance. He's, they said he's. Oh, here we go. Okay, here. A little off maybe if i'd started them at the same time oh man the people who are just listening to audio are gonna kill us <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely inspired by steve harvey's dance moves <laughs> there's no doubt about it he's just kind of a if you can't see he's just kind of a one foot stomper and then he does like a little shimmy and then he stomps with the other foot and then he shimmies back and then he stomps and he he's doing forward. some footwork man I'm going to work that into my music segment, man. He's doing some <laughs> Chicago footwork there, man. All right. So, yeah, you wanted to talk a little... Uh, we're going to go a little lighthearted on this one. Uh, uh, we want to talk about uh, Soyuz Capsule. And then segue sure, into space and video games. Yeah, sure. I have no frame of reference for this. This is all your article here. Yeah, I didn't either until... Uh, even this segues into video games. Um uh, there's an individual who has a YouTube can- channel named Scott Manley, and he is a extremely Scottish individual, and he has a huge interest in aerospace and astronomy and just space exploration, but he got his YouTube channel launched off of making instructional videos for how to play Kerbal Space Program. Because nobody knew how to Which, fuck play. Yeah, if you if you don't know what that game is, it is a rocket engineering type game where you you follow. Well, to start, they kind of give you maybe a few basics to try and get stuff into orbit. A little bit. They didn't. But it's, it's like vague. It, it was super vague because the company who made it was very small, and they just wanted to get like their game engine and their mechanics how it worked out there. It's and a, then they realized a few years down the line that to make it more accessible, they kind of had to build a tutorial into it. But there used to be no tutorial. And it, it was just a rocket engineering simulator, basically. Mm-hmm. You're just putting shit into space or trying to. Yeah, it was based on the, uh, the uh, American space program and their development going to the moon. It was actually a Mexican company that had made the video game called Squad. Um, but it is a very, very, when it first came out, very intensive on the computer. There were very few yep. computers that could handle all of the 
equations and behind the scenes workings of the game because you had to build your spacecraft down to like the struts and you had to make it structurally sound and the game would literally simulate all of these things and all of these connections and if your shit failed it was very punishing you had to go back and find out what the fuck was wrong with your shit yeah it is engineering from the ground floor so uh scott manley published a video this week uh that i just caught after work talking about this um the soyuz launch failure and i was like damn this hasn't happened like the last like manned launch failure on this level was uh, i think the discovery and there was the entire crew was lost um so as it stands right now we are dependent on russia to get people to the space station the international space station yeah because russia is still still does the space stuff i'm talking about payloads versus people like you can take uh cargo and supplies through spacex to the international space station that's fine uh we have yet to send people through a spacex launch into space but the russians do it the russians depend on it because the the space shuttle program has been scrapped um so there which were... i'm sure some people are in the know of because that was a pretty big deal a lot of people are really upset that we were nixing space exploration i know i was one of them because i think it is slightly more important than well to to understand that statement the space shuttle program wasn't necessarily for exploration it was born out of the cold war the space shuttle existed to have a reusable vehicle to launch spy satellites that's what that really was born of. yeah at the beginning but it could have <clears throat> I feel like it should have been... <laughs> now, I'm not mad that there's a private company inv involving themselves in this. I think that's great, because now we're getting competition. There's competition. But at the same time, I still think that as a government entity, they should, we should be supporting a space program. Well, that's kind of one of the angles that SpaceX has taken with some of the stunts that they pulled lately. That's why they launched a fucking Tesla with a spaceman into space. Was, Very heavy metal. Yeah. <laughs> it was because it was a cool thing to do, and it was to get people interested in space again through a publicity stunt. So, back to this botched Soyuz launch. Um, two people were going up, and one of the stages failed to separate and they had to use the escape pod basically they had to use the escape rocket this is i think the first time that this has successfully been used ever the escape pod yeah where they have aborted from a launch and the people didn't fucking die like i mean like abort abort they were already in the air you know, and they were about to separate in, and fire the second stage. I cannot confirm that either. I'm not sure what the Russian... It's space, either the first or I'm the second sure, time. I'm not sure what the Russian space program has all entailed because <clears throat> being 
a United States citizen, we cover much more of the Discovery Challenger, you know, those sort of problems versus the Russian space program. Oh, right. Program. There was, like, a lot of loss of life um, uh, in the, the Russian, Russian program. program. Uh, they There are stories out there that people back in the 50s and 60s, one of those uh, decades, there were people who picked up through ham radio russian cosmonauts burning to death and like begging for help they just happened to pick up their feet as they like passed overhead i can i can definitely believe that i but just like i had said previously and to reiterate i'm not as familiar with the russian space program i know they were the first guy to get somebody in orbit yeah uh yuri gargarin Yep. Was the first man to orbit the Earth. Um, uh, technically go into space. Uh, they were the first country to get something, into period, space. into space yeah. with Sputnik. They had the... They won the initial sprint, but the moon landing was obviously the... Mm-hmm. The, the cutting the rope for... This actually segues right back into the story because the um, the Soyuz launch platform is still based on that era of tech. It is very, very old. And I think that just plays very handily into the Russian philosophy. If it ain't broke, don't fuck with it. Mm-hmm. But... As it stands, we're dependent on them to get people from to the international yeah, space to and from, which is about to change. Uh, SpaceX is going to get approval soon, but um, yeah, they had to abort an already in-flight launch because of a failed separation. Both the astronauts are fine, and they were shown uh, right after the fact, just like at a hotel, like being interviewed, chilling at the Four yep. Seasons. <laughs> but yeah, they, they actually had continental breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Father eggs, but it's okay. <laughs> but the, the, there is another problem that has cropped up off of this is that there is a crew, I think, of three at the International Space Station right now. And the Soyuz capsule that is attached as their getaway vehicle is about to enter its end of life in December. So we have to make a decision. They have to investigate. End of life, as in. Now, where I work, there's yes, there's where calibra- I work too. Where there are know? things like calibrating. It's like you look at the eggs. Are they still good, or is it just the shelf life saying you know yeah, it's bad like to be safe? There's yeah, there's quote unquote calibrated calibrating tooling. Majority of the time, it's still it's, fine. It's fine, but it is the important. standard operating procedure says otherwise. So. Yes. We have to uh, make a decision if we are going to, like, there has to be an investigation into this aborted rocket and why it failed. Which, looking at the article headline, I haven't read the article, it says, Faulty Booster, Noob Kerbal Space Program Error. (laughs) Very noob. I'm just kidding. I've, I've actually never played Kerbal, but... Dude play it you'll get sucked in i don't think my computer can handle it still my computer's very old anyways (laughs) 
it, this has to be looked into, but we're, we have to make a decision soon because December is rapidly approaching. This might be potentially the first time in a very long time that the International Space Station will be left unattended and there will be no human beings in space. No. Or we will just get another Soyuz and fire it up because it, it has such a good track record that this is probably a fluke. But it has to be investigated if if this potentially is maybe some sort of sabotage or, or whatever have you. It could be a it could be many other things outside of sabotage. Mm -hmm. But if the International Space Station is unmanned, it maybe is the not... Lowest, maybe the lowest bidder is just getting a little lazy. Yeah. <laughs> that, is very, that is very possible. But That's the one of my dad's favorite things to quote to me when we're like pricing things. It's like, I always think to um, Armageddon with Steve Buscemi sitting in the fucking rocket. He's like, how does it make you feel that you're sitting on a... $20 million explosive put together by the lowest bidder. Yeah. I I can relate to that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But the International Space Station is not going to is not going to fall out of the sky if it's unmanned cuz it it's in orbit. Y y but it it needs maintenance and y you are half right. It'll be fine for a bit. But they yeah, constantly need to recorrect their orbit. Otherwise, yes, they will fall out of the sky. Mm -hmm. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, but how much of that is automatically done these days by computers? I don't know. I can't, I can't state to that. Um, let me ask you this. Do you think they celebrate Halloween on the International Space Station? Like what? Walk around with xenomorph masks, or somebody says my tummy hurts. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine? My that? tummy hurts. They're about to like eat some of the fucking like space sludge rehydrated food, and then somebody just <laughs> <laughs> don't fucking play, man. Um. Uh, the other way I was thinking of going with that was speaking of eating space space sludge. Let me say. That would they would decorate at the expense of like twenty million dollars per kilo <laughs> for decorations. Speaking of eating space sludge, they, I remember reading an article that when the South Koreans sent somebody to the International Space Station, they sent they spent a a decent amount to send kimchi. Yeah, with them. an astronomical amount to send some kimchi. We actually talked a, about this in the in the past time. Did here. we? Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to reiterate that fact. I think it was a couple million dollars. I'm gonna because kimchi is that good. Apparently, it really is good though. Have you never had it? I have never had it, but I've had a few people just swear by it. So I'm gonna get a figure here. We'll get the facts. Uh, how much it costs per pound to lift something into space. It varies depending on the lift platform. If a Korean goes to space, kimchi must go there to Kim Sung-soo, a Korean Food Research Institute science. Korean Food Research Insti Institute scientist said, uh, let's get the cost. This is not giving me the cost. I mean, it is, I think, 
basically their national dish. So I'm not surprised. So we're not sending fucking hamburgers and shit up with the astronauts. Are we sending we're astronauts not- with it? Che- McDonald's cheeseburgers and whoppers? So. Honestly, oh, get McDonald's to fucking pay a billion for that shit for SpaceX. Send a whopper up with them. Well, it would be a Big Mac, but I I understand the same point we're making. And you know what? You know what would happen after that? They'd be like, you paid a billion dollars to send a fucking Whopper up with Space X rocket, but you can't afford to pay your own employees a living wage. God damn it. (laughs) They're catching some shit right now because they're doing like a $6 billion renovation project for a bunch of their stores. On average, their stores that are getting renovated are going to get like $400,000 worth pumped into them. And they're still paying their employees shit. That's like more than most Americans who are very well off. That's more than their their house is worth. You got a figure for how much it costs to lift a, a pound of stuff into space? All right. When I give you this kimchi stat, I I think that there's a... I think it's inflated because the number that I saw was simply included with the fact that it's being launched into space. It wasn't the actual cost of sending this canned kimchi to space because that's all they ended up sending. So what's the figure? Or are you still looking? We're going to $10,000 for pound of cargo. Per pound, okay. And then the millions figure I was like uh, spitting out by heart being hy- hyperbolic. Yeah. It was a little off, but it was way off. But that's still it, it, it through hyperbole the the sentiment is expressed, you know? About like okay, so they give this statistic in this article a bottle of water is nine thousand one hundred dollars to send it to space. To forty three thousand. Like it's so it varies so much, but I think that they're just including. <laughs> it's you know it's like a weird shipping cost thing. It's not how much. I was under the impression that they specially engineered. No, no dehydrated no. kimchi. That uh, that they're figure? just counting the rocket fuel. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, that. But that's what it For is. Yeah, that that stuff has like a real cost. Uh, and it's not just like the, they have a gorilla suit just, up there. You seeing this? This is the Halloween stuff you're yeah. talking about. Forty <laughs> forty thousand dollars for a gorilla suit in space. That's the Halloween stuff you were referencing. Hey, but uh, uh, that is what we call good PR, Stefan. That's going to get the public interested in space again. <laughs> Fucking forty second video of a guy in a gorilla suit on <laughs> the space station. Isn't that fucking ridiculous? You can do all this like amazing research and just this you could go on and on and on about the properties of space and how things behave. All this interesting information. People aren't interested in it. They want to see a fucking monkey floating through the <laughs> They want to see Charlton Heston battle the fucking apes on Halloween. They get that. Get a guy, bring a fucking gorilla to the International Space Station and send Charlton Heston up there and murder it. (laughs) 
I don't know where I found this article with the actual price in here. Because here, this one they're talking about, they had to engineer special kimchi. Well, I'm sure they did. All right. Uh, so space, going to uh, segue into something that I've been not necessarily like looking forward to talking about, but um, uh, it, it was a big deal this week that uh, Star Citizen had a, another convention. And at, for a game that isn't even out, that they can have a profitable convention for it's a bizarre day. bizarre to me. It is bizarre to me, too. But uh, I kind of... Because, okay... I'm, be, I'm behind it, though. Like, as, I, a, as I, a person that has paid into it, and uh, I've been following this since 2012, I've been following this for, like, half a decade now. I think, it, I think it's cool. You know, you have a convention, but this game isn't really technically released, and I'm just a wary person of pre-release orders, and I have been after getting burned a couple times where I thought I had done an appropriate amount of research and the pre-release was, or from the pre-release and the product that ended up being delivered was never hashed out to the level that the creator, excuse me, intended it to be. <laughs> we got to cut the camera B here. In this case, Stefan pukes on the mic. Just a uh, couple burps, but... And I, I'm sure you've even been in a similar position where you've maybe pre-ordered something. And yes. But this game, those games have not been given realistic AAA budgets. Uh, there is a symptom that a lot of game developers, with the advent of crowdfunding platforms, they set these stretch goals, and this has been used for the Star Citizen uh, realm as well, they went too far with their stretch goals. I do not think this applies in this case because you might be talking about a game that set stretch goals just to raise a hundred thousand dollars, and a hundred grand is uh, how much? Like, if you're realistically paying people, uh, if you're paying game developers and animators the bare bones, you're talking maybe like thirty grand a year. That is like really low too. Yeah, I, but that's I was realistic. Just gonna say, I was just gonna say that probably won't but that's even cover co- that three people. That probably that's won't even why. cover two people because they probably make sixty k a year. That's not even two people. That's why those games fail because those those independent studios or and independent I, people they set their you. they set their money that they actually need I, way too low. I agree with you in that example, but. I think the most recent one would be would have been No Man's Sky, which apparently now has had a lot of issues worked out of it. I played it uh, since then. Like uh, I played it and I bought it once. People said, "Oh, it's good now. Like it's it's going good." And I've enjoyed my time with it, and I have to go back with it to check it out. But honestly, it's pretty good you wouldn't like it because it's a that's survival game kind, yeah that's not but my your kind of game gripe with it was oh they did this they alienated the buyer basically and i am in staunch opposition of that because the people who got behind it let their imagination run wild the the company did fall short on a couple things but uh the populace of people grew to expect way way too much out of it which happens a lot with a 
vast majority of video game uh, enthusiasts or lovers, uh, they have an expectation that is vastly unrealistic, which is a whole nother debate. But at the the heart of things, when I'm purchasing a product pretty much at this point is I do not... It's 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 an investment. I don't invest in most products. Well, if there isn't something that's already physically there. That's just my my buyer my buyer precautions that I take at this point in my life. It's and it's not necessarily going to remain a constant, but for something on of this scope like with video games and stuff, I am very leery and wary of giving somebody money for a product that doesn't already exist in this case because i know how long it takes to wait things change things fall off of the beautiful thanksgiving turkey that i'm promised (laughs) (laughs) now um what i i feel like has to be said is you said um when you put your money into a game on that thing it's an investment you have to specify it it is and it isn't it is an investment in the sense that you are investing your money into it, but it is not an investment as you're not getting any money out of it. It's not like you're risking your money to make some That's money. That's true. But, but I'm the real risk f- is investing your money to get the time yeah. out of it. It's like a friend saying, I have this great idea. I'm going to open a trampoline gym what what are those called it's not though it's not like that at all because if you invested in your friends and if you gym, if you if give you, me if you give me a hundred dollars i'll let you jump here for uh i'll let you come in and jump like and jump hours. in my place hundred hours and you you give them the hundred dollars and you get in there and they bought a walmart fifty dollar <laughs> single person bounce now mat. And the line goes out the door. <laughs> that that happens with a lot of the developers. This is not that situation. And I don't want it to be. I don't want it to be that situation for Let anybody. Let me explain why it's not, though. Because they went beyond just the original scope of their project. And they're not five people trying to make a game anymore. They're a multi-international studio network of over 250 individuals that are the best and brightest of their fields making this game now. It, they literally took the money and opened up a way, uh, new forms of generating revenue, kept the crowdfunding revenue coming in, stopped the stretch goals, because they did that for a while, but they put a halt to that, and they were just like, okay. So at that point, you're just adding more shit to the list you have to check off. Yeah. They realized that fairly early on, and we're like, okay, we're going to stop that, but we're not going to stop you from giving us money if you want to. And um, they have gotten, I think, they don't need to advertise, so they don't need an advertising budget. And they have pretty much gotten, I think, the amount of money minus the advertising budget that it took to make Grand Theft Auto. But this is like five years after the fact, and technology has just uh, evolved, and what you're capable of doing has evolved. So uh, 
one of the things that I wanted to kind of look at today, which wasn't necessarily like getting into a debate about like crowdfunding funding, was well, one of the, I wouldn't even say it was a debate. It was just a discussion of yeah. I, I'm I. It's not something I do personally. I don't I don't have a problem with other people doing it, but it's just something that I was burned on, and I I've done Kickstarter programs where the product was. It, it's not even that I didn't get what was promised to me. It was just the final product was lackluster. Or the, the example that burns in my mind was I kickstarted a board game, and I got everything that I was promised. But the board game just sucked. It was a bad board game. Well, yeah. I mean, board games kind of suck. <laughs> they can. <laughs> and I there have been video games where I didn't even back them, and grandos promises are made and they were much less than what was promised so back to this so much money has been made with this uh there is a multiplayer game that's going to exist in its own right and then there is a story driven game starring um mark hamill is the big one because the developer of this game, Chris Roberts, he made the Wing Commander series. He had something to do with Free Space too, right? Which he was, was great the video game creator series. of Free Space. Free Space was great. I That's another reason that I'm just behind this because this guy is the godfather of 3D space sim yeah. games. Free Space was a game I put tons of hours into. Each One of and them. two. Yep, I had both of them. Fucking great. Wing Commander 1 and 2, they were like these kind of uh, 2D making you think they're 3D games. Wing Commander 3 was the first true 3D game and it had an interactive storyline with uh John Reese Davis, Mark Hamill, um who's the guy who is Biff from uh, Back to the Future. Uh he was in there too. A bunch of actors that you could like kind of pick what they would say and he filmed it in this way that the actors would react differently depending on what you thought it was one of the first games to give the real illusion of choice when you played through it so he's developing this game mark hamill's back in it john reese davis is back in it uh gary oldman is in it um Gillian Anderson is in it. There is just this great cast. Who's the guy who played Superman recently? He's in it too. Uh Henry Cavill, I think is yeah. or something. And the the storyline is just great. It's just a, another uh story about the humans fighting, you know, the the Xenos. Uh, bugs. But it, it's like a it's like a Top Gun fighter squadron game. Because Much like free space, right? Yeah. So like, I'm I'm down for it. One of the interesting things about this game is it's made so much money that they've been able to partner with people who are developing interesting tech. And one of the things that they rolled out recently was Face Over IP, which is this. I have one of the prototype games for that on Steam that I paid for. It was supposed to be like a Skype overlay. So this is being driven by somebody's face that's just sitting in front of their laptop, just picking up their camera. <laughs> Obviously, they're, they're exaggerating uh, what you can do, but um, uh, the intention of it is to have somebody 
that you can approach and you can look at them and through your character avatars you, you can be actually to talk to each other emotions. so yeah. this one actually has the individual in the bottom left hand corner of this video feed uh do the other one first all right so this is the mustang but this i think this has the greatest uh display of the power because his face oh is right right one. right yeah 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 do that one it's the same streamer for so, both of these yeah. so what's the streamer's name for this so we can give him credit DJ Knight. DJ Knight. I am so sorry. DJ Knight. So D E E J is spelled out phonetically and then Knight with a K. Starter. So in the bottom left hand corner, he's on this stream and his ship just disappeared. <laughs> and all, and the, the, the cockpit, the cockpit seat fell seat through it. Left with the joystick and the throttle. But you can see. So he zooms out and he's showing his character model. And you can see the reaction is, and mouth movements are exactly synced up. Right. There's absolutely no special sensors. This is just af off of a camera that he is sitting in front of. Even the neck and head movement lines up. No, in a way, this just plays into the facial recognition technology that will be available very soon. Or that is already. The cat is on top of the laptop with the tail and moving stuff and pausing stuff. I think this is a result already. This is like facial recognition tech already out there. This is this is just after things. I agree with you. It's just making it more prevalent and aware so uh, uh do the other one where he's uh yeah sitting down and just having fun with this technology now So he's able to like open his eyes and talk, squint them. He has eyebrow expression. I just think it's awesome because this level of uh, game production would have had to be in an NPC in the past. In the past. For the most part, yeah. Or cinematic, strictly limited to cinematic cutscenes. Right. So now you can have somebody who is actually a living, breathing character just standing, hanging out in a place digitally, just going off the rails about something. And uh, it's it's not just the uh, the face that they manipulate, it's the audio. If they have a helmet on, they put it through a comm link. If they have the helmet off, you have to be in proximity of somebody to actually hear it. And how loud or soft their voice is scales with the distance. Now, this is not to say that this is a completely foolproof yeah. system that has been implement implemented 100% completely correct. One of the things with uh, this game is that uh, each iteration fixes problems and then presents its new problems and that's almost true with every game though. yeah but with this one it's unique because you have it being rolled out to hundreds of thousands if not millions of people and they're all testing it 
And that's kind of one of the things that like inspires the well, backlash. It's so, yeah, it's so early on in this game's development, though. That's this is this is stuff that's bound to happen. You're basically mm-hmm. all playing an alpha, beta type deal, and there's going to be a ton of problems, especially once it's finally released to the like you said the millions of people that are playing it versus the 50 people they have but in that's their the play thing everybody who is paid in can play the beta if they yeah. want to not everybody chooses to do so so with this facial recognition technology here we go <laughs> you got some you got some nightmare fuel reminds <laughs> me of a vent horizon <laughs> do you see <laughs> So as you can't see, this guy's neck is basically elongated over the width of what would normally be his head, and his head <laughs> is implanted into his yeah. You're half between ex- his shoulder blades. You're half expecting his like neck to like b- kind of pop out like a frog breathes. Yeah, it is uh, not a beautiful sight, and he's not doing it any favors by basically kneeling and walking around everywhere. Mm. Kind of looks I- like Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> sucked off is that all the uh that's all the fuel we got that's from all that the one? fuel i okay. have from star citizen all right uh i wish we had a time marker for like where the fuck we were at but i do not i don't know we have anything else we want to talk about about news or games before talk we... about world of warcraft I mean, we could. I mean, we're this far. If you're going to listen to us this far, you might as well listen to us gush about this shit. So what do you think about it? The newest expansion. Um, I get the gripes that people have, but honestly, it's not that much different from the grind and, you know, story presentation of um, what they've done in the past. And I really don't think that, um, like we were talking about, this last game, they are in a beta, or they're in an alpha period, and they're calling it an alpha. Blizzard is a big company. EA is very guilty of this, too. You have to test your shit in a beta. And they have something called a beta, but I really feel like that's the alpha. This yeah. patch was the beta. And I feel like the, the you talking new about the patch, release right now. Yeah, I feel like the real patch where everything kind of gets smoothed out after the next they've one. they've gotten the millions of people to give their feedback. I and agree. Tweak it. That's when the real uh, is as long as you can go through the outrage. This next patch that's going to drop at the end of October, beginning of November. That's where the real game is going to really begin. I agree with you in a in a very large respect. I think right now, I think the community bash backlash that has happened with this expansion so far sounds very entitled. Um, I can understand to an extent where they're coming from where, oh, Blizzard in the past never would have released a product at this state but at they have they have many times they did always a extremely large patch after maybe like like actually i feel like this one's coming relatively soon it's maybe been out to a month and a half i I actually just said it it's it's 
coming at the end of October or the beginning of but November. But the game has they don't been have a date for but, the game's been out for what a month and a half maybe. Uh, end of August. I so, feel like this yeah. patch is extremely quick, and I think the community backlash. Although I, I have some issues with the game because I simply don't like some of the things that have been implemented. They're changing some things. And, I watched a developer live yeah. stream yesterday. There are things that are being changed, but I think the community backlash sounds almost extremely entitled, and I am almost completely uh, try to distance myself from that because some of it, it's just like, are you guys kidding me? Like, you really think that you're almost owed this? Like, some some of you have just been playing this for so long that you are getting burnt out. Others of you are talking like they owe you something like a a rejuvenating childhood experience almost which is never gonna come yeah it's like i don't it's and honestly with it honestly i feel like when classic vanilla wow drops and those people who are just like you know all yeah this is gonna this is gonna be it this is the the, there's gonna be a lot of people who are gonna be very disappointed that it's not the game it was where they were at i don't think a lot of them realized how grindy it was it was there was a lot more there were a lot more choices that you could make in that game like there were things there was a lot more stuff mechanically it's like going from a very mechanically dense system to a slightly less mechanically dense streamlined system and there are some people who like the mechanically dense system but the streamlined system does have it its pitfalls but there are things in this new expansion and i i didn't actually play the one before this legion but like mythic plus for the instances i believe was instituted in legion it's really good i really like that you basically go into a pre-scripted encounter there will be a number of bosses and then you are given something called a keystone which makes it harder over time it goes from one to ten and these are things like adding extra baddies or making them deal more damage like it's it's it sounds slightly mundane but once you get to the tenth level it's insane each one that you complete ups at one level and it keeps it so the same content can be done over and keep it interesting for the people who play who are playing yeah and it it gets sick it gets like if you look from one one to ten in this level, it 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 gets extremely difficult. But I, I like that system. I'm liking how the PvP feels right now. I'm liking I liked the quest line. Like there are some people who are complaining about the the storyline. It's exactly the same as it's always been. I We'll see what happens with the well, next update. But. I feel like there is some uh, people, like, a, I think there was a post recently from the infamous red shirt guy who is, I think he is, has Asperger's, but he called out, he is famous for calling out some of the devs at a conference for making a inconsistency in their storyline that they weren't even aware of. I think uh, like he was in line to talk to Chris Metzger on stage and just called him out. Chris Metzen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Metzen. Um, 
and Metzen didn't have an answer for this guy, and he's like, you it's know what? Point. Yeah, it's a good point. We'll look into it. Well, and because of that, they ended up inserting this guy into the game. Well, let's let, let's just take a look at storied history. Let's compare for a moment Star Wars and and Warcraft. We are talking about. Oh shit! I didn't know what was on that. Let's let's take a look at Star Wars and Warcraft. Okay. Warcraft has been going for. 30 years. I think the first game came out in 91, Black and White, Warcraft 1. Uh, yeah, sometime in the early 90s. I would agree with that. Starcraft. Star Wars came out in the 70s. When Disney got the rights to Star Wars, there was, been, there was so much junk, backwritten stuff, so much history. I, I liked a lot of it. It's impossible to keep up with that much. And when you look at a company... Now, Disney dro- bought it from George Lucas, so George Lucas wasn't a part of it. But even the people that wrote all the the fan stuff weren't necessarily a part of it. So Disney just said, nuke it. We'll start whatever we want. When you go to a company like Blizzard and you're trying to keep a continuous story running through... Con- Employees, a small group of people through employees, things are going to get lost in the cracks. Uh, And Blizzard had a a very humble beginning. Like you're talking, like uh, the crew that it took to make Star Wars in 1997 versus the crew it took to make the first Warcraft. We're talking, uh, we're talking a legion of filmmakers in the late 70s versus a very small group of nerdy programmers that like to play like Dungeons and Dragons yeah. and made their own offshoot of it. So I'm not I'm definitely not one who is going to sit there and be completely upset about some storyline inconsistencies. Now, I did read Red Shirt's review and his review was more about oh of uh, battle for Azeroth, yeah. His okay. r- for the upcoming patch. I didn't because I didn't want to get it spoiled for me because he's obviously involved in the public test realm. Yeah, he's very he's very deep in. He does everything as soon as he can. That's fine. But from what I if read, you, if you could give it to me in a way that won't spoil, anything I'm not going for to spoil me. anything. Okay. From what I read, it's more about in the story. They say that something is going to get more intense and it gets less intense than what was already happening. And he took great ire with that. Just like you you say this is going to increase in... Um, like we're going to get Up to a climax or a, conf- or a conflict that's going to be extremely grandose. We're going to double down. Yeah. But when it actually gets to it, it's somehow lighter than what was going on at the introduction. I don't know about he that. Said the, he said the, the build-up was very... The build-up was more grandiose than the climax, and it basically kicked him in the balls. That's the short of the write-up. I don't know how he can really like take that kind of standpoint on it, because A, he is the consumer of the medium... And this is only the middle of the story. He did say 
that he did not have the in-game cinematics. And there may be explanations to why these things happen. But once you get there, I think you'll have a better understanding. I, to some level, agree with his assessment, but I won't necessarily throw my my coins into a pot without having actually played it myself. Because so far, I'm extremely satisfied outside of one thing with this expansion, and that is the... Azerite armor. The Azerite talents. It is not even the armor itself. So Well, well it is... That's where the talents come from. Yeah. Is the armor. And I watched yesterday a live stream where they talked directly about some of the gripes and what they're potentially going to do. Um, they're going to be the, changing them. The outer ring is going to be all class specific uh, abilities. That's it. You're going to be able to stack abilities. And uh, what else was it? You can already stack them. It's just that some of their... It's hard to get... Oh, oh, oh. Um, What they were also going to do is take the abilities that were super vague, where you were imbued with the power of the Horde. They are now going to tell you exactly what those abilities The one for the Alliance was called Stand Together. And it just said that you and your allies are empowered with the... Power the of, the of the alliance, and I know what it does. It is the equivalent to a trinket, so it's like an extra three hundred numerically, stat wise. It's actually extremely good, but it's extremely vague how it's written. Mm-hmm. I actually run that because it is so good in PvP. It's like having an an additional piece of equipment. Uh, but that's the thing. What they got called out for was like our. Um, you guys going to put stuff in the game so we, like we have to stop getting pieces of armor where it's the standard you have to go to a 30 third party, third party website, website that can explain what's in your game better and than you are, can yeah and they're vastly the other my other problem with the 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 Azerite talents was they were vastly they were not equal in any way whatsoever it was you once you did the little bit of research you had it's this is the best one this is the one you're taking. There was no really question about it. Um, and the, the class thing will help a lot, too. Now, because that's, that's kind of not what I took away from this. the potential of this at all was because I still feel like people are thinking in the wrong way about Azerite gear because you can swap your gear whenever... And I feel like the real... As long as you're not in combat. I feel like the real meta for this game is going to be uh, future situations where you would benefit from different stats and you have another set of gear that you have... Definitely. ...procured that you can equip. Definitely. This is going to... This expansion is going to involve you having... It depends how deep you want to go. Since you can change your spec each class has three specifications since you can claim change your specification at any time when you're in a city you'll be able to change spec between the three and then you will also have to change gear unless you want to pay a reforging cost for pve versus pve so player versus everyone versus player versus player because the stuff i run is all player versus player 
So that requires you to have, if you want to change spec, if you want to change spec, that's what, six different kinds of gear? You're going to have to have six sets of Azrite gear. So a set of Azrite gear full is three. So six times three. So you'd need 18 pieces of armor. I'm if you wanted to be able to fully change between all three, which no, I I, think, I am not going to do. I think you're talking about like um some someone who's going to try and just look into what the statistically optimal is versus um playing the game in different ways and getting stat boons for it. Because I feel like there are inherent values to doing what is against just the outline meta because you can play a character inherently different through playing them and getting to understand them and just like getting your own muscle memory down that other people are not doing. And I, agree I, with you, I feel like in past patches uh, with the way the gear is that uh, there's pretty much one path to follow this outlines different ways to play and especially because uh, if they bring them while up. pvp is so based on the role of the dice for the team that you get you well, can change what you could potentially be proficient at there's some differences between a random bg and a rated battleground where you're going for most of the time you're going for specific comps and stuff like that but in previous WoW expansions, you usually just had two sets of gear. You had your PvE and your PvP set because there wasn't even anything else to acquire. Mm -hmm. And by But changing, they were both very linear. Like, whether yeah. you're playing PvP, or which means player versus player, or PvE, player versus environment, uh, we're not a gaming podcast, so we have to let our, like, <laughs> our listeners viewers know what informed. the fuck we're talking yeah. about. We've been trying. Uh, you have to... Each one is linear for each one there is the best set for each one yeah this one i feel like it is mixing it up with the way you could potentially do things you could get a little sneaky with some stuff maybe something that you just figure out works for something that you like to do or the way that you like to play with your friends or the way that you like to mesh with certain other classes that's true it's. I feel like being so fresh, there is definitely some stuff that's up in the air, but I feel like it's settling very quickly, and a lot of the Azerite traits are extremely suboptimal compared to others. And once you play with them just slightly, you realize that extremely quickly. Well, one of the things that the devs said they're gonna this be changing week, them. not that they're going to be changing them, they are going to change some of them, but... There are also certain things that people latch onto that they're supposed to play a character a certain way, and they are inherently playing them incorrectly, and they're just so stuck to the way that they're supposed to play their character. Like I've, I would, one of my major holy hammer smash them into oblivion characters was Retribution Paladin for the longest time. And it changed. Yeah, the DPS spec for the I Paladin. had to change the way I understood and spend some time 
with the way they reworked it. And you even played with me in that mythic dungeon that we just ultimately lost. I had a boss where we got fucking wiped. Yeah, we there had was very... still a substantial amount left, and I ended up uh, uh, having a guy help me through like the dregs of like the last of it, and then ended up wiping them, and then we ended up respawning there. So you you have to adapt. You have to stop following like just online resources for everything and kind of start thinking for yourself on a lot of things. That's true, but there are definitely things in those trees it'll help when they make the outer ring all class based. Mm-hmm. There're definitely a lot of things there that are just numerically way worse than others. Now I agree with you. There are people who are very stuck in their ways because I have already I had this experience a few days ago where a fellow claimed he knew what was best for the rated battleground group I was doing. He said that my my healing my healing output was too low. But he was unaware of the fact that the build I have made continues having a continuous 40 to 20% damage reduction, which isn't factored into our statistical numbers. And my healing and damage reduction that's done is equal to above what we already had and he was he ended up removing me we won three games in a row he ended up removing me and then they ended up asking me back they were like we're losing and then he messaged me he's like do you want to come back i was like no because you removed me right i have no interest in playing with you i had the same experience not necessarily with you but i saw elements of some of the stuff that you were saying in the way you play the island excursions you just get the skulls or die but in some of those groups i broke off and i was like okay i'm gonna get this little azurite thing here this here that is an efficient way to play it but you don't get any you don't get any loot which is the reason i don't like but you want to win the thing was i played with another group independently the other night and somebody was trying to call all the shots and we ended up getting like absolutely separated. Uh, Those are the worst. It, not to the point where it was like intentional. It just was like there was like mobs in between. In between us, yep. But there was a fucking gold mine of just Azerite, which is what you need to collect to win that game. And I just went and killed all the mobs and collected like a couple thousands worth. And they still blamed me for l- not losing the game because we won barely. It was probably because I went and got that stuff that we just irked yeah. by. Like when you're winning by the skin of your teeth, it's usually those little things that you can collect in between that is what's keeping you ahead. Now, the the island expeditions that so many people complain about, which is where you... You get on a I love boat. Them. Yeah, you I love get on a boat, you go to an island, and the island is randomly generated. Not the island's layout itself is randomly generated, but the encounters on it are randomly generated. And there will be the skulls that you were talking about, which are serious bosses. They give you this resource as right, and then there are scattered mobs, which we refer to, which are just various things they could be alligators to vultures which will attack you it's like a combination of dungeons and player versus player 
I have not done one of those player versus player, and I feel like that would be so much fun. Racing another actual player team because mm-hmm. you have to do it on a mythic setting, right? You Something you want to be that. geared about mythic, which is w- about where I'm at. That's which like is shitty that they they fucking gatekeep it at the you know the elite. That's the hardcore gamers. That's that the is real, such a fun mechanic. That's a real grind, and a, you just have to get. It's not actually that high of an item level to get it. I think you need 340, 350 for it. It doesn't take that long. But the island expeditions I do enjoy, but there are people that don't realize that I've done a, a large amount of them, and yeah, you can go around and you can just gather these knickknacks but if you're oh, not i'm not doing, talking about just doing that though but if you're not doing the skull bosses or when the <clears throat> island gets quote-unquote invaded by the randomly selected enemy um which th- it's the there's the two factions and then about three-fourths of the way when your bar gets full it gets invaded by another enemy if you're not doing the skulls and those things, you're not getting any of the quote-unquote island expedition loot, which is after you've done enough Azerite missions and they become somewhat commonplace, you kind of are trying to get a little something extra outside of just boosting your single your item. amulet. Yeah, because your, your amulet determines how many items you get off of your Azerite gear, which I guess we should have explained earlier. Well, the thing, I think we're well into a conversation where this is going <laughs> to be more for deep. the people who, <laughs> who know. We've gone too deep, yeah. I, I feel that in order to, you you have a certain sense after you've been playing this game for a while, once you are neck and neck to a situation you know what you have to do. You can see what's happening with your team, and there are certain situations that present themselves where a few individuals or one individual can win the game for a team of 15, or a team of two people can win the game for an entire team. Those are the best situations. And people will absolutely chastise you because you are playing outside of the box at that point. But that's what it takes to win sometimes is just to understand the mechanics outside of the canned player's guide. You know, it's like uh, when when you're playing Donkey Kong 64 and you got the player's guide, not really much, not really much more to it, you know, but when you're playing a game that is constantly updated and things change, and you don't necessarily have to know every stat change, but if you are like feeling it out and playing your character and seeing the results and changing your game, you can do some crazy like playmaking games. Just gets really dangerous when those people put those two things together. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Those things, are the dangerous people. Things get stagnant. Uh, people will read old players' guides that are dated for a certain patch, and they're still playing on an old meta. No, I'm, I meant the people that know how to make the game-changing plays and keep up with the meta. 
as they're very they're very good. Well, you know, who has time for that outside of professional players? Like I mean, yeah, you could. Like I probably could invest a little bit more time and know that much about this game, but do you want to? God damn it. No. I mean, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to be able to play the game at the the best that it is played at. Like I don't like games that don't have a player versus player element to it. Because, I don't either, and you know that. <laughs> yeah, there's no satisfaction in beating the same computer every single time. There are some games that are better than others, uh, like StarCraft. You can play it up to the maximum computer. I honestly still think that is just the peak of competitive. It is just too... Pitting yourself so against much. another person, though. Yeah, it's so much in that game, though. Well, I'll tell you one thing. We're going to have to do some arena together, then. Dude, I have always just had the best time playing arena with you. Just, like, it's it's like couch gaming again, even though we're on different, like, consoles. But just, like, sitting down. Let's get let's get Steve over here. Let's play some, some fucking threes, arena. Yeah. Um, we used to just put on the... Uh, uh monday night football theme theme before we would start up and just get so hyped about this and like honestly more games i was playing with you in the same room we would be like making plays because we could actually like talk and uh isn't there a feature now that you can you can actually speak in uh starcraft or no in um wow wow yeah they have raid chat now Oh, that it's not been bad. It's not been too bad for me. Well, I've actually heard that uh, you know that WoW has a famously toxic chat box, but I've heard um, from Heroes of the Storm that once they started doing VoIP chat, people tend to be less toxic when they actually can like, can hear each other. Yeah. And guess what? It's a squeaker. which is a small child yeah well i i have not i've had good luck with the world of warcraft uh in-game chat and the discord because communication at a point when you're going you can't stop gameplay when you're going through just anything competitively there gets to be a point where communication has so much benefit over not communicating Mm -hmm. that it can get you a w even in the most basic sports things, like football and stuff, communication helps make things happen. Especially if communication means taking your fingers, which is the commands you're putting the game in, away from putting the commands in. Typing out things in chat versus using your mouth to talk to people. Yeah. But... On the short end of this, I like the new expansion. I think that the player base, like I said already, some of the things they're saying, I they just sound entitled. They just sound bratty. Some do. I feel like that's... Um... Some have some good points, like the Azerite stuff. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think the, the talents are lackluster. I think the system isn't fully implemented They well. need to be very well explained so we don't have to go to another site to figure out what the fuck they is... mean. Uh, although we still have talents to pick from the trees and all this other stuff that we've had 
like I said in, like we talked about in Vanilla WoW, was way more mechanically dense, and these are very light, and it is like adding... It's like adding seasoning to something. It's You taste it, but it's so light. It's like... Um, it's like trees in the past where you don't necessarily have to like get to one ability to get to a specific another ability. That is omitted. But you do have four abilities you could potentially pick and you can only have one. But you could potentially have it again if you just switch to another piece of gear that you level up differently. Yep. And that's where the time grind comes in. That's where I feel like Blizzard is going to really squeeze the hardcore players is that if they want to have the optimal, optimal situation for every situation, they're going to have to get that piece of gear, that level 370, that level 400. It's What's the max level? 85, I think, right now. Yeah, and it's going to go up in the next patch or two. You are going to have to get that same piece of gear over and over again. Or you're going to have to pay in-game currency to reforge it every time. Hmm. It's just not... The, the, reforging, the reforging prices to get new skills is, out, is... It adds up quick. Yep. I think on your sixth one, it's in the double... It's in the uh, multiple digits. Now, uh, I personally don't have any gripe about companies making some sort of mechanic when they are doing something like this that they are constantly upgrading the game and making the game better to have the player be encouraged to pay in a reasonable amount i do not like the encouragement of paying in to have an advantage which you potentially might have. I have a slight gripe with the fact that I already pay a subscription fee. I already paid to buy a game. I do not have tons of in-game currency because I, I am a seasonal player. I don't spend much time generating in-game cash, but they still... I. The thought of me paying to get in-game cash at some point is in a game that already has a subscription fee and a, a price tag seems a little outrageous to me. Whereas versus to something like Heroes of the Storm or League of Legends where it's free to play, but to acquire cosmetics or new characters, you can play, you can pay money to acquire these things. Well, let me tell you here, boy. I have played so much Heroes of the Storm in the past before they started fucking with my bread and butter, before they, like, fucked with Sergeant Hammer. I made so much in-game currency in that game that I will probably not have to fucking pay in for a very long time. Like, I have over, I think, like, 200k gold in that. So I can pretty much buy 20 new heroes when they came they come out at this point just through generating in-game money i just played that game because and 
that's one of the things that shaped my uh, anti-meta standpoints was Sergeant Hammer. Very unfavored for a very long time. I was getting player of the game match after match after match because I just played it in a different way. I played it very aggressively. It's supposed to be a defensive hero. I just was connected with the timings of how to advance, how to set up that radius, how to get extended range that enemies would have to pass through to get to you, and just the intuition on situations on when to set up and when to destroy them. I didn't even have to think about it. And I just would dominate with that character. And then they uh, they took that away. <laughs> they took that away they from turned me. turned it all... They salted the earth and turned it all sour. I enjoyed that game quite a bit. It was just some loose fun. Uh, honestly, uh, I think it's been touted recently as one of the... I think it's like the fifth most watched eSport. Really? Yeah. It's been making some strides... I haven't played in a long time. Last time I played, they changed something where invisible heroes weren't really invisible anymore, which was just weird. So let's take a break. And uh, Do we still got music, or are we skipping that this week? Do we have music? I have something I could talk about. Do you got something you can talk about? Sure. All right. Then we will be right back. You first. Fancy footwork flattens fuckboys. Got a little bit of sound for your eardrums. Yeah, you're not going to get to hear any of it because we'll get of dinged. YouTube laws. <laughs> we'll get zapped. We'll get zapped of all our profits. We're not getting blocked. So, Stefan is going to present us with some music first this weekend. Oh, you! I thought you were going to start. All right. Nah, I need to watch you fail about explaining stuff first before I can get the confidence <laughs> to talk about a five-song EP. Are you... Okay, so my release is going to be a now-defunct band, Three Inches of Blood. Have you ever heard of them? Um, yes. Okay. Do you know where you heard of them from? Do you remember them whatsoever? I think uh, when I was a young teenager in the Milwaukee hardcore scene, when I was thinking about, um, uh, I wasn't really into emo music, which was really the popular thing at the time, but there was also hardcore at the time, and uh, some of my friends, I think, were into Three Inches of Blood then. Okay. Yeah, unless that, I'm that could be wrong. that could be correct. Uh, they were not a hardcore band by any way, any means. They were a oh, that might have been blood in, blood out. Yeah, that would be right. Uh, Three inches of blood has been more was more of a seventies inspired heavy metal, uh, power maybe thrash influenced style band. They had a high clean singer and a and a yelling vocalist. They had a high fantasy theme for most of their albums, but they did strike an extreme uh, vein of popularity. They were in a number of video games with their 
major release. They had a small EP, and then Roadrunner picked them up. What era? We're talking two th- early 2000s when this stuff hit the, the main vein. I think their big release and the album I'm going to review, Advance and Vanquish, came out in... Let me get a little fact check here. 2004. Yep, 2004. And this was, this was a big deal. It was on skate videos. Nike even made a three inches of blood shoe. It was just a lot of red coloring. It, th- like, they hit a, a really big vein. It was in skate videos, all right. that stuff, like I said. And... That's one of the things that is nice to relate to people who are not necessarily into the exact thing that we are talking about. It's the cultural significance of something like that, where you can tell somebody, uh, this thing might have gone a little bit unnoticed. Uh, You might not have known about this, but this is who these people are. And this was... This was interesting because Advance and Vanquish, they had Edward Ripka, the guy who did uh, Megadeth and Death's album covers, do the Who's album that? cover. Edward Ripper Hands? Repka. <laughs> he, did, he did the album art for bands like Megadeth and Death, and the album cover shows orcs actually attacking uh, the White City, uh, oh, is that Minas cool. Tirith in... Uh, Minas Tirith? Yeah, in uh, Lord of the Rings. And this this feature, this this album would uh, reuse the uh, song off their EP, Destroy the Orcs, which I'm actually not a huge fan of. But the overall premise of the album is high fantasy. It opens with a cannon shot, uh, and the first album is called Fear on the Bridge, The Boiling Sea Part 1. It has three parts, and it's about pirates. It just has a high energy, high fantasy theme running through it, preve- prevalent through the entire album. It even has some harkings, and uh, they even have stated had some Warcraft theme themes. They had some inspiration from Warcraft, the third one, which we already talked about too today. Uh, can I interject about the high fantasy theme? Uh, you know, we have artists like Dio, who were singing about, you know... Uh, swinging swords and chopping the dicks off uh, yeah. dragons and stuff like and that. And they get a lot of inspiration from that. But what happens to be coming out right now is another Tenacious D album, which is just Jack Black and Kyle Gass, two fat guys who did a, stet- a sketch comic about people who have delusions of rock grandeur you think they're just the greatest and they're Isn't setting that them though that is their uh their wheelhouse of topics though it's late 70s early 80s fantasy metal and their new album power metal as it's lovingly referred to as really is that what it's called yeah. because when i think power metal i think pantera i think like early 90s power metal that's what i think of uh, the definition definition of the genre. I, Anyways, um, just let's call it high fantasy metal. Yeah, we'll continue referring it to uh, it. Uh, they have a new album that's coming out, and they were just on Hot Ones. With uh, They were on the Fallon show, or Jack Black was on the Fallon show recently. There's been a hot gif that came out of that where he played a child's 
electronic button saxophone and then mm. the i think jimmy fallon's band the roots kind of spun off of that and then he ended up just dancing Ellen DeGeneres style for about 15 seconds he was also on hiking with kevin nealon and he was i think the most recent one was hot ones this week with kyle gas they both did the gauntlet of hot wings and they have this new album called post apocalypto that is high fantasy post-apocalypse power metal though sorry i'm getting the facts in here yeah you got do the lyrical themes are fantasy mythology camaraderie oh well, it's emotion. themes themes not the, sound the sound is uh fast tempo melodic harmonies with uh speed metal uh, this is going off the Wikipedia, but you got a large list of people like Bruce Dickinson, Rob Halford, James Dio. Hmm, interesting. Maybe the power metal definition of um, that's who inspires. That's who inspires it, and then their vocal range is often slightly higher. But yeah, that's that. I think that was the power metal thing that um, made Cowboys so strong for you. The high vocals. Which they did move away from over time. Yeah. So I could I could I could see that. Yeah. Especially for the Cowboys release. Yeah. I agree with that. I stand corrected. I was wrong. So let's go back into your uh, three inches of blood. Just so, so we got a little guys, we got a little uh, injection of factoids. Yeah. There. So these guys had the EP. They released this album, high fantasy stuff. Like I said, they recruited a vocalist named Cam Pipes to sing the high stuff and he did a great job i overall this this album has always been something that i've always enjoyed but i recently fell back into over the last month just because it inspires a imagination like a, a infusion of imagination when i'm sitting there i'm and i listen to this album i'm infused with the same feelings and emotions and thoughts that I imagine somebody probably derives from reading a a good book, mm-hmm. if that makes sense to you. There, it's story driven. There is stories that, like I said, they have a few songs that relate to the Warcraft lore. So it's it's. It's something that just like feeds into my imagination. When I'm at work, I'm thinking of knights doing battles on cliff tops and all this other nonsense. Now, speaking of uh, Warcraft and metal, um, Corpse Grinder, the singer from He's Cannibal Corpse, he is a huge hordy. He was recently in a video of him going out to Target to just look for deals at the store just being a regular human being and he's got this huge fucking tattoo yeah uh i recently saw a video of them in south america just reinforcing the the south american metal ridiculousness they love it they love it i have never it was like a hurricane of a circle pit it just like starts in the center and then it's basically the radius of the entire crowd just moving around. And I'm just like, somebody is dead in that fucking They thing. have had some great metal bands out of South America, though, from Sarcophago to Sepultura. Um, 
and they love having metal bands down there for sure. And Corpse Grinder being a huge Horty and actually a huge Warcraft fan, I remember actually reading an article where he saw the Warcraft movie come out and he was just like, you know, I can kind of see where the alliance is coming from. I thought that was <laughs> I thought that was funny because he has a huge horde tattoo or their insignia on his arm. You know, I gotta rewatch that movie because I fucking good. love that movie. It's pretty good, uh, and I hate that it was so poorly received because I would not be playing the game today if it was not for that movie. So this album. And the lineup three that it, of blood. the three inches of blood advance and vanquish lineup that it features. So you have two vocalists, these two guitarist buddies, bass and a drummer. Although this album was their best release, more than likely, I don't have the actual numbers. I'm pretty sure it was their best or second to best release, and in my opinion, their strongest album. After it was recorded. The lead and rhythm guitarist would leave. I think they formed a coffee shop together and a couple of other businesses. That's That sounds way more financially sound exactly. than being in a band. These guys were very business-orientated, and they're. I remember I seeing mean, a couple articles where they said, when you looked at us in the pictures, we don't look like metal guys. We're not. We did it for the enjoyment of it, but this was a more financially sound position. And after this album would come out, uh, God, I forgot the guy's name from Slipknot wanted to record their next album. And slowly this this band would dissolve over time. And the only person, even though he wasn't an original member, Cam Pipes, he got brought in slightly later, would be the only one left. So this band, their sound would slowly fall off, even though they recruited some extremely talented people over time. Um, but this album, I think, really encaptured what they were intending to go for originally. And I think it is an incredible album. And it just captures my imagination every time I listen to it. And I think that is something extremely special. That's uh, something I find uh, both odd and extremely endearing because i see it in myself but uh i would not see myself going from musician to barista <laughs> i think there was some other business ventures going on but the the two guitarists had been friends it's a, before. okay it's a little different you're not being a barista there's nothing wrong with being a barista in that case they were like owners of the coffee brand basically. so let's Let's see what, what I it wanted says to say here. It was, says the original guitarists, Sonny Dak and Bob Farise, mm -hmm. left the band shortly after recording in around July 2004 because they could no longer commit. This is off the Wikipedia page. There's a couple more articles about it, but this is in short. It has some sources. It says that they were committed to a business that they had set up called the Bloodstone Press, a union shop and party venue. And I thought there was something in here about them opening some sort of a another business they they went on to more fiscally solid endeavors mm -hmm. outside of touring and i remember also reading that the vocalist that did the screaming for a long part i think his name was jamie hooper ended up actually damaging his vocal cords and that's why he dropped out but the interesting fact is all of those guys i believe would 
reform another band called Pride Tiger that does a completely different style of music. But they all ended up getting back together anyway. One of the things that uh, I kind of saw uh, of myself from that, and uh, God, <laughs> let me say this correctly. Um, I used to be dedicated to being a musician, and it is so tough. Just Even if you just have something completely unique, you have to have something behind you that already has some sort of establishment, some sort of uh, uh, PR behind it. You have to you, be chosen. You, you basically need some sort of financial backing outside of st- strictly what you unless, are trying to... Unless you are extremely rich already. and It's hard to keep the, uh, the machine running mm-hmm. with the fuel source that you uh, are intaking off of the earth to keep it running, basically. So... Um, <clears throat> You need an outside source of power, basically. Basically, I, um, as a 29-year-old who got into a specific type of, like, mathematical version of metal music, um, it might have seemed like, seemed like a waste at the time to older individuals, but what it taught me was the principle of ratios and how to keep time, and how to count through feeling. And what that gave me is basically a very unique musical perspective on how machines work. I think of machines as uh, music, basically. Um, Like where your measures are set, how many beats are in a measure, what is contained in a measure and what your repeating ratio is. And I've been able to like take that into something like 3D design, mechanical principles. Um, I mean, the music stuff already relates to uh, some of the electrical I'm, some of the electrical stuff I do, just with using an oscope to read. Oscilloscope? Yeah, to read the AC currents and stuff like that. Right. The rate? Yep. If you... uh, This guy was going through this really long-winded explanation. I was like, it's just an audio wave to me. I I understand. That is is not strictly musical. That is going into sound design. That the... Those are... uh, When you get into the nitpicky of, like, what is music and, like, the subcategories of it... um, Musical time was one of the principles that really taught me some of those. Um, Sound design is some of the things that taught me how to identify waves, different waves versus like um, um, constantly oscillating as sine waves, square waves, saw waves, and the different like timing principles that they have and the frequencies that they have. I could go on about this for <laughs> fucking you love it. It's, it's something that uh, it, I'm like a mad scientist about, but it, 
my real strength is where I see the parallels in other fields and it's like, oh, I've never thought about this thing in this way, but I already understand it because it has the same principle to it. So this week, it's been timing, gears, musical timing, beats to a measure. When are you trying to like print an image as far as like material being put through a press? That's something that I've just latched onto this week, and it's like, I already understand this. I already know exactly what this is as far as it applies to music, and I've tried to tell certain individuals that I work with, it's like, dude, you're a fucking musician. And they're just like, no, 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 no. It's like, no, dude, you're like, this is a musical principle. Like, you, you try to make them see... In a way that you... See, what what's happening is you're trying to explain to them in a way that you already understand, but they have a hard time just simply comprehending it, it in but, that form. But sometimes it's simpler to understand in a musical sense than it is in a mechanical sense. Because in a musical sense, it's all feel. There's no math going on. It's all on in in intuitive. Yep. Yeah. There's some people who are intuitive, and there's some people who are all mathematic. That's something my dad was trying to teach me with the electrical stuff that we're going over where I have the intuitive feel. Electrical is oftentimes explained in a similar manner as plumbing, where I get that. I get how plumbing works. The flow. Yeah, the flow. Where there's other people with the electrical components, it's all strictly mathematical. They have no comprehension of the quote-unquote The physical yeah. application for it. So, in synopsis, though, <laughs> now that we have detracted so no, this far, this is good. This is good. This it is, is like good. the kind of conversation but we want. I want to put a nice bow on this three inches of blood thing. So, advance and van and advance and vanquish is probably one of my f is my favorite three inches of blood album. It is the peak of, in my opinion, their tenure, and I I think it's a shame what happened to them, but. What they made is so amazing. It's so great what they shared. And if you're going to check out the album, the songs that I love are Crazy Nights, which is about a good time the band had in London. They actually have a synopsis of the overall track list on their Wikipedia page where they got on their Wikipedia page for this album where they got into a bar fight. And then the other song I really love is Premonition of Pain, which is about a... Remember, this is high fantasy. It's about a soothsayer who alerts a king about forecoming dangers, but he is not wise to the words, which is something that happens in Warcraft. Remember Warcraft 3? Medivh comes to warn Kim the king. Oh, yeah, he, he comes back from uh, being corrupted by the fell. And he comes back and he says, there's no reason for the king to trust him at this point. Yeah. But he comes back and he says... It's all going to go to shit. <laughs> and he says, yeah, wrong. But it does. So there was actually a uh, calling back to that in the new expansion. But there, we will get back that's, to that. Uh, that's, that's another story another, for another that's time. That's a whole other thing. But overall, I really enjoy this album. And if you do end up picking up this album and enjoying it, the album after it is 
also very good. It's called Fire Up the Blades. That's the one that is actually produced by uh, uh, Joey Jordanson, who I, he was in Slipknot. He was the drummer. Yeah, so he produced that one. I know a lot of people say that it kind of falls off there, but it really doesn't. It still has a lot of the core tenets. It's still a really strong album. I think the album after that is where it falls apart because they lose their second vocalist and their style overall changes. And they have a small EP after that called... uh, Crap, I just lost it. Crap. (laughs) Crap. (laughs) I just lost it. I just That's Midwestern for shit. It's called uh, Anthems of the Victorious. And that one... I think is the I think that's the end of the pipeline for me. At, at least as me for a listener, they have two more albums that came out after that. But it just it it starts to all fall apart at that point, which is really too bad because I really enjoyed it up to that point. You know what I mean where they have this little EP and then they just can't continue with the, the pieces they're given in the same manner. Hey, you're talking to a guy who um, has had musical releases and hasn't even done an EP. My entire career has just been singles. Singles, singles, singles. I've always wanted to do an EP. I've never had the desire to do an album. You know, and uh, I'm not tooting my own fucking horn here like... <laughs> But straight up, like um, the the single format has treated me well because I could just do whatever I'm doing at that point in time, and just I don't have shit to on a little platter and send it out yeah, into the ether. Exactly. I I just <laughs> put it on the conveyor belt. You get a couple of uh, tasting spoons from the pick and save, and people can uh, come and. Take a taste. Now, I, I, what I've done is I've applied my own just, you know, style to a lot of the formats that I've tried to put out there. But uh, just doing an entire album of songs and then having that well-received and then having to do another one just like it that's where you start to get people who are just like, well, I don't really like it because I don't like it that much. Yeah. Which is what I just did. And a big part of it was, though, there's no one left in the band. It was one guy. That was all that was left. It's hard to maintain that sound. Well, it's the, you know, it was not... And I'm not saying... Not really a band. It was more of a t-shirt factory at that point. And I'm not saying that there aren't songs that I didn't enjoy off those new albums. But as a whole, it's it's different. It's not even the same product at that point. <clears throat> Which all just, you know, it just swings back to those guys complaining about some of the video games. Right? I'm just an old man right. when it comes to my music. Absolutely. I'm exactly what I was... I'm the, the exact hypocrisy that I was just complaining about with the video games. That uh, kind of applies to my artist because I was trying to get a barometer on uh, you know, what people were saying about it. 
on certain subreddits, uh, particularly on the uh, electronic music subreddit, people were calling themselves old heads. And that's kind of a new term for an old guy when you're referring to rap electronica, stuff like that. Because uh, there's, there's this new stuff coming out that people... Just tend not to what get people. What people are referring to as the SoundCloud rappers or the mumble rappers. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, maybe in hip hop. I don't really see that in electronica. Oh, I'm sorry. I got sidetracked. I thought for some reason we we're talking about hip hop. But yeah, the, the electronica thing is not something I really keep up with. I think the extent I've gone has been that the chill wave stuff, which you put <clears throat> on when you're, I don't know, chilling. <laughs> uh chill wave was actually born out of a um a meme that's how they ended up naming it but that's another story for another time maybe uh not next week because next week we got chucky jones of gorilla ghost coming on the show and i can't wait to sit down with him he is a great dude and i haven't seen him in years and I used to tour with this guy. So it's going to be a great conversation. Um, but what I wanted to review this week was Aphex Twins Collapse EP. Now, I, a couple weeks ago, had tried to kind of fever pitch, put together, you know, um, an album to review because it came out on that day. And I let didn't... me preface this by saying that originally, I actually think we may have even talked about this. Was we were talking about just double banging the same album because yeah. we have very different takes on things. Which, granted, it's good, but also some more variety is good too. Because, mm -hmm. well, lately I actually haven't been listening to that much music just because. I found I can get I can watch hockey all day at work basically, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it's good to have a lot more variety because I I am a metalhead I I don't know any other way majority of the time I'll listen to some other stuff but at the end of the day my heart is encased in a interesting that you say that belt <laughs> because I um for a while I did um. Uh, what I would probably call exposition pieces, where I could afford some like sample libraries to make orchestral pieces while I was sitting at my own home. But it's sample, li sample libraries that sound like genuine string sections and brass. And I would use that. I, I invested in them, and I would write pieces that were epic epically orchestral for metal bands and then i'd have those same metal bands who will, will remain nameless come out and say i detest electronic music i hate this push button button stuff and i once went out and said you know and i never got another piece of work from this band again I said to them, you know, I generated that music for your introduction. Is this some sort of symphonic yeah. metal band thing? Yeah, it was like an introductory piece. I love some symphonic metal, but continue. 
And I made it just for their little, like, okay, you play this before your set. You play it at the beginning of your CD before <laughs> yeah, play you start it when your you, metal. When you go to pick your butt in between. Yeah. And this same band was like, oh, electronic music sucks. I can't stand push-button musicians. And it's like, I, just had, I, that. I just had to tell them, you know, the same way that electronic musicians make their music, I made your intro in this fashion. And, they're, and they point, never never heard from them again. And to that <laughs> point, we have had this discussion before over brunch. Is there are some metal bands that have made push button music that is impossible to replicate? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, particularly, Rings of Saturn. Supposedly, I've never seen them live, so I can't I can't one hundred percent say that for sure. For certain, oh, but no, I have heard that. Hear I have heard that where it's just it's like there's no way. Uh, yeah, and there's absolutely people on the local level who I think what I said was people are writing in Guitar Pro. Yep, and then trying to play it back for the first time in the recording situation, and it never goes well. Uh, or if they're just writing in Guitar Pro without the reference of actually being able to play it. Yeah, that was the exact quotation. Oh man, I'm so sidetracked. Um, my We're all album, over the place tonight, Collapse EP by Richard D. James, Aphex Twin. Fucking love this guy. He's the window licker. Yeah. Yep. Um. This what? is 10 minutes, so I'm just going to let it ride. Uh, just pause that so I can... We we need a f- context for that. So, um, Well, I mean, you can give the context. It's it's 10 minutes. Let's let it ride. Yeah, but I don't know if it's going to play this for the entire 10 minutes. Just <laughs> trust me. So um, this little EP was widely received as being... Uh, kind of a return to his old style. And I'm not talking his, like, 2000s style. I'm talking his 90s to late 80s style. Uh, It's a lot of basic sounds, but it's also a lot of um, his later classic ambiences. And what really drives some of it home is his um his melodic reward inverted with the uh the punishment now stefan you know how i always said that uh, i was just gonna say you love the melodic reward and then the punishment he had the first song off this album is the inverse of that it's melodic in its beginnings and then it's the punishment in the 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 middle and then back to the melodic reward and i thought that was that was great absolutely great i i think this is one of the first albums i ever reviewed on this this podcast but i really want you sometime to listen to obscura by gorguts 
where it is I have it's just I I don't remember it because it was so long ago give it another go I absolutely will but uh, this time we're talking about the inverse of that format that I so love. I usually love punishment, like punishment, 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 and then the and melodic, melodic reward. It was melodic, melodic re- reward, and then the punishment. Yep. And that was the way they started off the album. And then it goes back into melodic reward, and it establishes itself as a um, kind of like a, a basic soundscape for drums. But he's putting them together in a very, very complex way, a very modern way, um, where back in the day you would have these simple sounds like your 808, your 909, your 707 sounds, your standard sounds, and you'd have them on an MPC and you'd have to, you know, program them. Now he is controlling them by MIDI, very obviously. So he's able to do like these incredibly advanced things. So the the MIDI pad is he's uploading sounds to individual buttons on basically what you can relate to a keyboard, and then he's using them to no, hammer out these. He's using those same sounds, but he's using the modern way to trigger them, basically. So he is, imagine early Aphex Twin just with like basic, um, you, you know, basic electronica sounds. But with the um, control and command of the most basic or the most advanced Aphex Twin sound that you could think of, he's basically taken his old soundscape and applied his advanced technique to it. That is cool. It is very cool. So that's track number one. <laughs> Track number two. You go track by track? How many tracks are on this? Five. That's pretty good. (laughs) The runtime is probably, I remember Aphex Twin songs being pretty long. It's probably about equivalent to a full-length album then. No, it's just 35 minutes. minutes. Well, I guess, actually, when you say it like that. Uh, I am not prepared with that information. I'll look it up. What's 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 it called again? The second, okay, I have the album uh, 28 minutes and 52 seconds so right. yeah that is kind of it's like a, uh i've reviewed a full-length album of eight songs that was that long um so that first song was t69 collapse the second one is what applies to this um this video yeah mine's 50 that minutes. i wanted you to have uh cued this We're one ready. is uh, this one, uh, somebody in a forum made the comparison of the second Aphex Twin track on this album called First 44, which sounds much like Chicago footwork. So uh, this is what is called footwork. It is a style of dance out of Chicago. Mich- uh, <laughs> Chicago, that is, uh, it's kind of like two-step, but it, uh, it, yeah, is it is very... it's just got some more... It's, uh, it's so sped up. It's sped up, uh, it's... You know, you, you know what this derives from? It's two-step and the, the funk uh, knee bends and stuff. It's just combining them two at uh, hyper paces. Yep. Um, 
there was electronic artists in Chicago that uh, they started seeing this kind of like pop and dance style resurging and they were getting asked to like turn the speed up a lot and the dance yeah, style in. that's a good yeah the dance style almost encouraged this electronic style to come out of it it's it's more avant-garde than breakbeat almost you know you had the early 90s uh european breakbeat uh underground rave there was a certain period of time where uh, in chicago they had their own underground uh, not necessarily breakbeat but this own style of uh footwork is basically what it became as uh it, it i love how they were just dance battling and the guy is battling just gave him his hat back <laughs> <laughs> he, it fell off and he's like the, the, oh, you, the people you, didn't see it and switched that. it back to us uh, well they can be filled in on that little bit that was great so I had seen this in a forum someplace that uh, somebody else was like oh this song it's it's footwork basically and then I was I didn't ask or anything but somebody provided the answer what's footwork nobody puts baby in the corner was the response probably uh, no, they provided a documentary on what footwork was, what the origins is. Uh, it's a Midwestern Chicago style. It has its basis in South and West Chicago. And it's a style of music based on um, kind of basic MPC sounds, kind of like Aphex when used to use. And uh, the characteristic of it is that it's at 145 beats per minute. That's one of the speeds that people go to. And that's <laughs> that one ain't of, 190. Black metal, Tremel. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> that's one of the things. Being this song is called First 44. It's like, oh, that's just one beat below 145. It was obviously what he was going for. Uh, I like it. Yeah, it, the thing about the recent Aphex Twin song titles is that he's been either sneaking hidden messages into what they mean. Hasn't he always kind of done that, though? Yes, but he's either been sneaking hidden messages into it or they've just been... Uh, completely blatantly saying exactly what the song is. Which also might seem like a hidden message to the uninitiated. Like, if you know the... Uh, that's the, just the introduction to the puzzle. Mm -hmm. At that point. And, and the thing is with Aphex Twin, he's always just pre been presented as some sort of deep, deep enigma. But when you really, really brush the dust off the circus, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I said circus intentionally, but the surface of the circus that people like think he's this just this crazy drug infused madman. He's really just no. <laughs> this. 
He's this I don't see child that. from Cornwall that was bored, that was making music. And uh, a lot of the stuff that he uh, puts out looking like some sort of enigma, it's very obvious what the, uh, what the mystery is. It's not that deep. It's deep, but that... It's my, complex, my only, but it's not that deep. My only experience with the AFX twin is from Grandma's Boy. That was my first encounter yeah. with it. It's music for people with robot ears. <laughs> Does this music scare you? It's just so simple. <laughs> so, uh, no, not really. I just don't like techno. <laughs> The funny thing is, it's not techno. The I think the <laughs> best part about that, uh, though, is the relation to the fact that they're making some sort of multi-level game with the bad guys having a reoccurring uh, character model, and they just said, we'll change their color, which is something that has happened multiple times, especially in an MMO, where it's just like, it's too much money to design a new bad guy, we'll just make them go Roy G. Biv across the color scale because it's easier and doesn't cost that much money. Just change the color tint. You know what? I should watch that movie again after gaining the like love and perspective for like game development and games. It doesn't... Because I that. loved video games then, but now I really love them now. It doesn't go the, as deep as it... it it doesn't go super deep, but it, it skims a beautiful surface of... Because he's really a game tester who, in his off time, tries to develop his own game. Yeah, he's a shit-on, basically. Yeah. Uh, everybody at the company just doesn't really listen to him. He's not really like paid attention to. But he's got this He does have the golden boy status. On. He does have golden boy status, though, because he is a good game tester. But um, but he's a shit. He has a real shit life. So that's your podcast, huh? <laughs> You've been listening to Radio Loud. You can find us on Podbean at radioloud.podbean.com. Or you can look us up Radio Loud on YouTube, iTunes, God, Google Play, or Stitcher. Edit, or you can tweet us at Loud Podcast. At only use caps, please. All caps when you spell the man's name. <laughs> All right. Say our goodbyes. Good night. Goodbye.